Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Ag My Optics, a podcast where two or three adult men discuss, overanalyze and generally take a kid's toy and media franchise a bit too seriously. The toy media franchise in question usually being the Transformers, but not today. Today we take a break from our beloved robots in disguise and talk Spider-Man, specifically the live action movies. I am your Bronze Age cocky nerd with a chip on his shoulder, Ryan Gear, and with me is my young, confused, and occasionally invisible co-host, Virtual Dave. <laughs> Say hello to our listeners, Dave. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Now, uh, this topic has been a bit of a bone of contention between myself and Dave, so by way as an adjudicator, we have a special guest co-host in the form of comic book-eating, continuity-devouring, canon-scoffing, Galactosh. Welcome to the show, Galactosh. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. No worries. It's good to have you. So, in case you don't know or require clarification, we are talking about Spider-Man's live-action exploits on the big screen, specifically from the Sam Raimi trilogy starting in 2002 through the two Mark Webb-directed Amazing Spider-Man reboot movies, and finally, Peter Parker's now numerous appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, up to and including... No Way Home, in which, spoilers, <laughs> in which all three generations of movie Spider-Men meet. Obviously, there will be plenty of spoilers throughout the course of the podcast, so they, you know, be warned. My now that's out of the way, how about we start at the beginning and talk about our personal experiences and relationship with Spider-Man, both on the screen and elsewhere. Dave, you demanded that we make this argument public, so how about you go first? Uh, what's your Spidey history? Um, my Spidey history is the same as many kids of the 90s with um, the 90s cartoon, Fox cartoon. That was my big introduction to Spider-Man as a child, and in, as a teenager I got into the ultimate Spider-Man comic books, and handful of astonishing and various other runs at the time i would get the odd comic of and read but it was mostly the ultimate one i read the most mm -hmm. um and then of course the raimi movies was a big part of my spider-man love growing up and that's i mean how how old were you when the raimi movies came out uh that's probably about nine now i feel old <laughs> <laughs> I was very young, very young. So then you obviously followed the movies since then, and uh, I know you're a big fan of the computer games as well, or have played quite a few of the computer games. Mm -hmm. Okay. Galactosh, um, let's, let's, hear, let's hear your uh, Spidey history. Well, uh, like many people of much older than that, my first experience with Spider-Man would have been the uh, 1960s cartoon, mm. constantly being run on a Saturday morning. And then after that, live action would have been uh, the 1979 Amazing Spider-Man film with mm. Nicholas Hammond and his two sequels. Yeah. Spider-Man Strikes Back and uh, Spider-Man and the Golden Dragon. Mm -hmm. And then it had been the comics. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. I got into comics about 1990. So I'd been reading around like the early 300s of Amazing Spider-Man started back when it was good. <laughs> and then when the spot when the amazing spider-man cartoon i've been in my teens watched that every week yeah so everything since about the 70s yeah 
me, me and Tosh are kind of the, well, pretty much the same age. So my experience is similar. I remember the 70s, sorry, 60s cartoon being on telly in the mornings, although I didn't, I can't say I watched lots of it. It seemed dated, dated obviously, because it was, you know, in the 80s or was it on, the, on in the 80s? It was on in the 80s. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I really came to Spider-Man through comic books. Like, I used to pick up comic books when we used to go to the hairdressers. And um, that my dad and my mum would buy me a comic book. And it was often 2000 AD or Eagle or something. And then eventually I started picking up the complete Spider-Man. So that would have been around early 90s. Uh, pretty similar to you, really. So, yeah, that my experience was, was very much the comic book. I didn't watch an awful lot of the cartoons. I certainly didn't watch the, the one that you know well, Dave. Oh, I, I know that cartoon. I remember mm. it being on television. But I was, by the time that was on, I, I was very heavily into the comics. And, you know, that was on kind of, was it SNTV Live or something? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, it was some Saturday morning show. Yeah. I remember the, the movies coming out. I never saw the 70s movies. Even to this day, I don't think I've seen one all the way through. Oh, they're gloriously bad. You should. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've, I've, def- I've definitely seen clips of it, but I've not watched the whole thing. But yeah, I was very excited when the uh, Sam Raimi movies were coming out and went to the cinema to see the first one and was blown away by it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, but, and I continued to watch all of them and watch the Amazing Spider-Man ones. And then obviously we went through to the MCU and his appearance in Civil War and I enjoyed Homecoming. And that's where my interest in MCU Spider-Man started to wane. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I do go and I have seen them all and do watch them all. Maybe a a mixture of morbid curiosity as to how wrong they can get it or hopeless optimism that they get it right this time. (laughs) Which I think is where... Dave and I diverge in opinion. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe we should uh, talk about the three different the three different continuities or the three different stages. What's your uh, what's your opinion on the Raimi movies, Dave? I think as a trilogy, as all three films, I think they're brilliant. I think it's a weird even three. Even even three. Even after rewatching it recently, I think it's about the world that Sam Raimi made. It's this corny, cheesy, kind of almost like a comic book at times type of world it's in to begin with. And just the, oh, the, the way the characters are done. Is, I, I don't know. I don't know how to the best explain it. The world they've made fits Spider-Man really well. Mm-hmm. And I like the story that they were trying to tell for Spider-Man in this world. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's probably the most... I think it's probably got the most specific style of the three. Yes. Yeah. Well, well that's Sam that. Raimi all over, isn't it? Though? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It felt like a Sam Raimi film. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's got some really, really fantastic, like, Sam Raimi ridiculous bits in it that... And then it's got also got some very not fantastic Sam Raimi ridiculous bits. <laughs> but yeah, it does feel very much like a Sam Raimi movie. And it is very comic booky. Even the sprinkle of horror in it as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is little sprinkles of horror and just weird shit like people turning into skeletons and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, the bit in Spider-Man 2 where it's from uh, Doc Ock's uh, arms perspective. Very oh, yeah. straight That's, out yes. of Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. Complete horror. Absolutely, yeah. 
But yeah, it's, it, I think it's a very comic book kind of take, which I think, which I appreciate. Although it does veer into cartoonish here and there. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, Sam Raimi. Yeah, <laughs> but I I really love the first two. The third one, not so much. I know that there's a there's a there's a slightly different cut of it that's apparently slightly better, but mm-hmm. it's not. It is the weakest of the three for sure. Oh yeah, I don't I don't deny that at all. It's definitely mm. is yeah. But Spider Man Three, I think, it gets a bit of bad press because it's not Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yes. It yes. followed the greatest yeah. one of the three. Yeah. And then couldn't compete with that no matter what. And a bit too much studio interference cluttering it up with bad guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because Sam Raimi didn't want Venom in the movie no. originally. Um, it wasn't because what I read was that Sam Raimi was very familiar with the kind of Steve Ditko kind of era villains and not really that familiar with the more recent ones like like venom so he was kind of encouraged to stick venom in because they wanted to put some some a a character that was more that people were more familiar with which you know kind of gummed up the works really and i i I heard an interview with raimi saying that you know he really shouldn't have done it because he didn't have any real love for the character and didn't really know what he was doing with it yeah it's um it's been a big thing about that film is the interference into this have Venom be pushed in the black suit. That whole plot line wasn't mm. meant to be there. Yeah, and it didn't need to be there. It it was it felt very superfluous. Yeah, if they're going to push that in, they should have pushed it in in place so they could be ready for Spider-Man Four, mm. and then do the full black suit saga properly. Yeah, exactly. They could have had him in the black suit in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And then introduce the character of Venom in Spider-Man 4. Yeah. Or even right at the last second of Spider-Man 3. There's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Mm. Rather than do the whole story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. We I rewatched it recently and it does feel very... Like the first half of the movie is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some bits that feel a little bit sketchy here and there. But like, there's nothing terrible. There's nothing unlike some of the sketchier moments of the first two movies but once once you get the kind of the black suit introduced that's where things start to head in a in a bizarre direction <laughs> and you get the whole kind of emo peter and um his his ridiculous dance off uh, <laughs> thing i love i love all of that <laughs> you did say you were going to defend it actually so Please, please do. Well, I mean, just um, okay. Over the years, this film has gotten a lot of hate, or people have kind of focused on on the emo Peter part of the mm-hmm. film, and it's because it's bad. <laughs> upon rewatching it now, because like I said when we were talking about it before, I haven't watched these films in years, so maybe I just have a really weird unconscious bias. But I actually get what they were trying to do. But I think the problem with that in the film is that it happened too quickly. You know, the the symbiote infecting Peter and making him more evil or embracing these darker urges he's he's been getting. I think it happens too immediately. And I think that's what the problem with that is. It's such a jarring change that once he puts it on, he's emo Peter instead of him just wearing the black suit. Well, it's gets... not once he. It isn't once he puts it on because he wears it for a fair bit before that starts happening. Not really. 
No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He only puts he puts it on once, and mm. then it's already kind of made him into this darker version of himself. And then when he hides it underneath him, underneath his normal clothes, he then like his hair gets darker. He ruffles up his fringe, and he's like, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> he's a dick to everybody. I guess the problem. <laughs> I guess the problem for me and for a lot of people is that being darker does not necessarily equate to doing a dickish dance off in a in a jazz club. Yeah, well I get I mean I get that side of the criticism, but I'm just mean like I I understand what they were trying to do, but it feels it was rushed. So and, and badly executed. Well even that, but it's just like at the beginning of the film I forgot how much he's already kind of being a dick to people. Like he's he's kind of bad to Mary Jane. He kisses Gwen Stacy in front of her before he even gets the black suit. He's doing a lot of things that are like yeah, this is this is this is bad. You, you know, you're you're being. <laughs> he's letting his popularity go to his head a bit. Yeah, he's, his ego is going all over his head. He's he's loving all the attention. He's doing things that are already showing that. But this is incredibly <laughs> true to the comic book character, which is why I like it. Like it, it he is a bit of a cock. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I think it's I think it's fine. But I, I agree with what you guys are saying that if they had introduced it and then it was a thing in the next film, it would yeah. make more sense of him just getting it and it's just fast forward to him that's my problem with it it's very much like the bit in superman 3 yes where he gets the the red the uh tar laden kryptonite and then all of a sudden he's drinking in bars smashing up stuff yeah growing a growing a five o'clock shadow yeah (laughs) putting the uh leaning carapisa straight <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he's fighting his own conscience, and it's all over in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's the same. It's the same. It's exactly the same in a way that that the idea that becoming a bad guy makes you act in a really unrealistic fashion. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't just that Peter was being bad; it was that he was being bad in a really abnormal way. I guess it's them thinking that that's what a nerd of that time would think is cool. <laughs> is it though? Go, go, dressing up in black and going to jazz bars. That's what that's what cool guys do, surely. They, a nerd that's... of that time would have already thought he was cool because he was talking to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It's> true. <laughs> so we're all in general agreement that the third one was not the best one. Although no. Oh, no. clearly Dave has some a little bit more love for it than uh, than myself and possibly Tosh. Yeah. It, it's definitely not the best, but it's definitely not the worst superhero film ever made. No, or the yeah. worst Spider-Man movie. Well, maybe the worst Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I'm it might sure. be the worst Spider-Man we'll, movie. We'll get on to that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we probably should just talk about how wonderful Spider-Man 2 is. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I was having this discussion with you, Dave, um, on WhatsApp, and you were saying that you prefer the first one. Now, now you've rewatched them. Do you want to take that back? <laughs> uh, it's difficult because I really like. Um, I do like number one, but I can get why people like number two more. But <sighs> well, Tosh, why don't you tell us why Spider-Man Two is the best of the three? Well, it's the one with the best, most fully rounded characters of all of them. They all have the individual arcs. Um, you have um, a tragic villain as opposed to a psychotic villain. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. He's got his, he's got his psychosis, but they're brought on by his arms. Yeah, taking over his personality. He's a good man at heart who's doing 
things because he's being led astray, and he has a redemption at the end. Mm-hmm. What uh, Norman Osborn has nothing. He is a bit of a bastard who then become <laughs> who then becomes a bit of a psychopath who becomes a complete psychopath who then get then kills himself by trying to be even more of a psychopath. Yeah. Spider-Man 2, you've got a tragedy villain. You've got Peter Park Spider-Man on his own trajectory of uh, trying to do the right thing by not having people close to him. The whole great power of great responsibility actually comes through in that film. He does. Uh, But he's regretting it and he's seeing uh, the love of his life, because they never bothered with Glenn Stacy properly, uh, Mm -hmm. running off with J. Jonah's son. Actually, was Mm -hmm. he still J. Jonah's son in that? It was. Yeah, it was. was, yeah. I forget that, but yeah. Um, and so it's about redemption and trying to get, trying to move on with your life. Whereas the first one is very set up. It's very good set up. Uh, Willem Dafoe, fantastic. But he is just Amazing. playing a psychotic bastard. <laughs> There's no point can you ever root for the villain in that one. He is an out and out villain. Yeah, I mean, even before he goes mental, he's yeah. he's developing and selling weapons of mass destruction. He's not a good guy. <laughs> no. His first act as a supervillain is to kill off the board of, gov- of governors of his company so that they can <laughs> not stop him being a bastard anymore. <laughs> no. But yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with that. I think it's it's got more of a story. The, the first one is just, it's the origin story um, with a villain thrown in. Whereas the second one has got more more of a kind of end to end story about about Peter and his development as a as a superhero. It's got better banter. Spider Man is funnier, and uh, some really great scenes. Like also the the connection to New York thing really comes through in that movie. Yeah. Like that that scene on the on the train is mm. fantastic, where they all you know he reveals his identity to them and they all just stick his mask back on and go off you go. We're not going to tell anyone. Yeah, I did like that scene more than the um the one in the first one. But they kind of did that because of um which I didn't really think of at the time because I was too young, but it was because of uh nine eleven and they wanted to have these moments of New York coming together in the film. Because mm-hmm. apparently the Twin Towers was gonna feature a lot in the first film, but obviously that all had to get taken away. Well it was in the trailer. Yeah. The original yeah, it was in the trailer. trailer. It was in the trailer. So I I do yeah, I do like that though those those parts were added. It's a great scene. My problem with number two, though, is like little nitpicks that throughout the years just have always stuck with me for giving it the top spot above the three. Yeah, go on then. Okay, I'll start small and I'll get bigger uh, with it. All right. Number (laughs) one is... Now, I don't know if this is a thing that has just happened in the comics and they just translated it and I just don't know any better. Mm Mm-hmm. But when he has this problem with being Spider-Man and his powers just switch off completely, is that a thing? Yes, yeah, Spider-Man no more. But do they do the powers switch off or does he just decide not to be Spider-Man anymore? No, but it's mostly he decides not to be Spider-Man anymore. But the, I mean, the reason that they added that, I think that that, I mean, actually, I don't know for sure, but I always assumed that the reason that they added that was that there was a bit of a kind of feeling that... Um, they shouldn't have gone with the organic web shooters because it meant that he could never run out and they so They were going to have normal ones, but they uh, edited them out in the first one. Mm. Don't know why. <laughs> but 
but I mean, yeah, that that whole that whole him quitting being Spider Man definitely happened in the comics. I mean, it even mirrors part. You know, yeah, I know of, that. Yeah, that's that was uh, around the time Kingpin came in, wasn't it? About issue fifty, the Amazing Spider Man. Mm. I I imagine you are correct. You you know a hell lot more about <laughs> individual issues than I do. So, well, I I have tr- I have read nearly every issue of Amazing oh. Spider Man. Tried, yeah, yeah. I tried not to, but I happened to. <laughs> I'm still fighting my way through. I've got them all, not not physically, but I've got them. You know, I've got digital versions of them. I I keep going back to it and then just dropping into different bits because I want to read a particular storyline. But yeah, I went. In fact, I went back to um, this morning. In fact, I read issue 33 just because um, I'd been reminded of it, which is the one where he's like lifting oh, all the. Uh, yeah all the machinery off of his back. So anyway, Dave, you're going to tell us... That's one issue. So that's one issue. Okay. I can understand... Yeah, that did seem a little bit kind of clunky, but it was all to do with him losing faith in his Yeah, I I was fine with that, but to me, personally, I thought it would have made more sense if he had his powers and he decided to not help people in these weird situations he kept stumbling across. Because like when he tries to save the little girl in the, the building that's on fire, I was like, well... You've killed the other guy who was on the top floor because you could have saved him if you had your powers because you would have been able to... Well, he hasn't... No, he's just... No, but it's about believing in yourself and by believing in himself, yeah, I, his powers work. That, but it's like... I feel it would be more impactful if he had his powers and he decided not to do these things. However, that's how he got to be Spider-Man in the first place. Uh, that would negate the whole uh, great power, great responsibility, turn his back on someone doing wrong and his Uncle Ben getting shot. Mm. So you couldn't do that, otherwise it'd just it'd be irredeemable. Yeah, because he yeah he'd have done the exact thing he'd that he swore he'd never do. Okay, the next one, <laughs> <laughs> Doc Ock, um, is like one of Spider Man's greatest villains, right? Yeah, but almost every version of him, he's just a man with the arms, right? He's not a super powered man. Not himself per se, no. So when Spider-Man punches him really hard, when he's pissed off with him, it would do a lot more damage. Even even if he's even if he's pulling his punches, there are like there is. I love that fight scene, but it's. But that is that's the thing that you see in a lot of superhero stuff, you know. Yeah. Oh, you, sorry. Power levels. Sh- shoot up and down all over the place all the time in order to... Because to, otherwise you would just have people punching holes through people's heads all the time. <laughs> uh, and, and and it would just be like over, you know? I mean, if you look at, the, if, if you look at how, how everybody's powers ramp up in, any, in mm. any superhero movie, like, I mean, look at the MCU. You look how that mm. ramps up towards the end. You know, by the time of Endgame, things have gone mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. Thor can't take on Thanos, but Captain America can stand his own. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. So people's power levels do fluctuate. And oh, yes, you're right. Dr. Octopus is a regular human being. If, if Spider-Man were to punch him really hard, he would break his skull or something. But, you know, it, it's there for his creative license. You know, what yeah, I, mean? I, I also go, go on. live in the world that I'm in where he's actually not in control of his body anyway. The arms are who say Spider-Man didn't knock him out loads of times in that fight. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. not, his claw, his arms just carried on fighting. It's quite, it's quite I think that should have happened. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think that would have just solved that, that problem for me in this film. If that happened at least once and the arms just carried on that, I would have been fine with that. 
Okay, next next issue. Next issue. We've got, we've got plenty of other movies to talk about, so let's hear about this one. <laughs> All right, this is probably the biggest issue with the film for me. Right. And even after rewatching it now, I still have no idea how this worked. How, how on earth was this meant to play out? Harry Osborn tells Doc Ock to find Peter. Peter will tell you where Spider-Man is. Mm-hmm. Next day, Doc Ock finds Peter in the restaurant cafe and throws a car at him before knowing he's Spider-Man. Like, what was the plan there? Was he going to pick up um, this broken apart Peter Parker and hope he is able to point him in the right direction? What? It's an amazing scene, but I just don't understand how that was going to work. I, I thought he was already aware that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. No. Never try and quantify the actions of the criminally insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, quite. I find that weird. I Yeah, alright. But these are little these are little issues, aren't they, really? Come on. Li- of course they're little issues. And there's and there's loads of there's loads of ridiculous issues in the first one as well, so you know it's, it, I completely agree. I, I I do not deny it. Yeah. I know these are my own little nitpicks. <laughs> like, you know, um Green Goblin's pumpkin bombs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes they vaporize you, yeah. and mm-hmm. and sometimes they just burn your face a bit. Yeah. Sometimes Spider Man can catch them and hold them like, in his body, and it's perfectly fine. All obviously got different labels on them that we just can't <laughs> see. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, that's one you can work your way around. But the possibility that Doc Ock was unconscious in his fighting, no. <laughs> it's it's like um, Hawkeye with his trick arrows. They're all they're all different. They, he knows which one's which. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's very true. It, it, no, it doesn't make any sense. But that's what I mean. There's plenty, there, there are there's loads of little nitpicks you can pull out of any of those movies. Um, if you can't suspend your disbelief, there's no point watching a superhero film. Absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> if you're going to get bitten by a radioactive spider, you're going to die. You're not going to get superpowers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but like, I, I do think, yeah, William Defoe is great in the first movie. But like, like you, like you said, Glatosh is he is um, he is just an he's just a psychopath. But the way he's playing him is fantastic. It's so over the top. Yeah. It's really good. Like, I, I think the the strength of these movies of of the Raimi movies is the villains. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I completely forgot he was in all three films. I I forgot he comes back as. Like Carrie hallucinates him in the house in the mirror. Yeah, he reappears in various, various bits throughout all three. Is he in the third one? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, because I definitely remember him at the right at the end of the second one, but I can't. Yeah, there's a few. The there's a few kind of bits where, um, uh, like Dave's saying, Harry Harry sees him in the mirror. Mm. So he's not in it, in it, but you know, he's there as a kind of vision, as a kind of dream, mm. as a kind of voice inside um, Harry's head. Which is weird, uh, but you know, <laughs> fine. It's, it's it's like the madness is hereditary, and um, but yeah, I mean, I think the the villains are the best thing, and I don't know if this is a controversial opinion or not, but I think the worst thing about those movies is Tobey Maguire. Really, uh, I, I'm kind of in the middle there and saying yeah and or no. Mm-hmm. I can see where you're coming from. I can see he's just the the way he's he's really not very good at acting, <laughs> at least not in these movies. What do you mean, as Peter Parker, or as as a whole thing? As uh, as Peter as Peter Parker mostly, 
but also oh, he's the worst Spider-Man out of the lot. Well, I mean, yeah, his 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 banter can be a bit shit, <laughs> but also his acting is like as Peter Parker is. It's really kind of unconvincing and forced a lot of the time. Actually, I wrote I made a note about one of his quips in the first film is uh when he's fighting the wrestler. Mm. Um, it's like, uh, did your husband make the outfit for you or something? <laughs> it was 2002, <laughs> right? And that, wasn't that Randy Savage? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think that's his funniest quip. Uh, and it hasn't aged well, but... <laughs> I'm not sure it's his funniest quip, but <laughs> it's certainly it's certainly one that stands out. But that, yeah, I mean, and obviously in the, the cage fight, you've got um, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Which we should definitely mention. Oh, yeah. We should definitely mention Bruce Campbell, who appears in all three, obviously, because Sam Raimi owes him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, there was the rumor that uh, he was being set up to be Mysterio. Really? Yes. Because that's he why he's be in Mysterio all three. Number four. And mm. number four, it was going to be revealed that Bruce Campbell was playing Mysterio all the time. Oh, I see. And was was uh, pulling the strings behind the curtains. Mm-hmm. But we'll never know. I did like his Basil Fawlty esque um, French oh. uh, <laughs> guy. Absolutely ridiculous, yeah. but lots of Brilliant. fun. I really enjoyed that scene. Um, but yeah, and that's what I mean. I think a lot of the sporting actors are good, but Tobey Maguire was. I mean, he's not awful, but I just find him of all the people who've played Peter Parker in in these movies we're talking about, he's the least convincing for me. Did you know that on set? a lot of people didn't like him either, like, as a person, you know. Just... <laughs> no. There's a interview with uh, the guy who plays Flash Thompson. Um, in the first one, apparently the crew offered him money to accidentally punch him in the face in that fight scene in school on purpose. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not doing this because I would not work in a movie again and delay the film for like a month or whatever. So, but... There was a whole thing behind the scenes of people just not liking Toby Maguire. <laughs> well, they did try to replace him with Jake Gyllenhaal at one point. Yes. When he did his back yes. in. They were quite yes. quick to try and go, Jake, fancy doing this. <laughs> but I mean, that's another thing, actually. Now you're mentioning Flash. One thing that these movies, and to a, I say to a slightly lesser extent, the amazing movies, but these, these movies, the kids are all too <laughs> bloody old. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a scene in the first movie where it's when he, it's when they're going around the um, the science um, thing, uh, you know, where the, where the spiders are and so on, and um, and you've got the teacher kind of telling them to be quiet oh, yeah. and stop chatting, and the teacher looks younger <laughs> than the kids. I think I think he was. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bit of the Greeks problem, isn't it? Thirty year olds playing teenagers. Yeah, it's something I never really I never really realised until much later, but it's very much because they're meant to be like. Teen, like young teenagers in the first one, aren't they? They're meant to be like, yeah. Peter's meant to be fifteen, yeah. sixteen. Yeah, they're at high school. Yeah, and he look. And they're all 21, 22. 28. Yeah, late, late. Yeah, they're older than that. Yeah, actually, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else anyone wants to say about the Raimi movies before we move on and talk about? Of course, the... yes. The star, the the standout star of these films. It's J. Jonah Jameson. Well, no, there's no argument with that. It's every now and again they find the perfect actor for the role. 
yeah, J.K. Simmons is fantastic in well, that role. No surprise they brought him back. Spoilers. Mm. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that can't be a spoiler. Is at the end of uh, Far From Home, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly not a spoiler. You know, um, anybody. Yeah. If you haven't, you haven't watched. I mean, not that I suggest watching Far From Home, but um, but if you haven't watched that, then you are quite behind. Far From Home has got a lot of the Spider-Man threes about it. It's good, but then it's got bits that go, oh, really? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's. Oh, come to yeah. That. Yeah, we'll come to that in a bit. But you know, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah, um, J.K. Simmons is fantastic. He's yeah, he's born to play the role, really. It's, uh, it's, it's I mean, yeah, like I can't say anymore. It's just and his phenomenal. his lines, his lines. It's, it's almost like they got a, got another scriptwriter in for him because where the thing, where the kind of the comedy coming from Spider Man is kind of clunky and a bit crap. Hmm. He is hilarious. It's really funny. It feels it's... proper rip from the comic books. His lines. Yeah, angry it does. rants it does a lot, and it just sounds like Stan Lee writing it. Yeah. Maybe they got Stan Lee to write J. Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, what's his, what's his, uh, Raimi's brother is one of the new staff, right? Yeah, uh, it's his assistant. Mm. So it's one of his assistants. I think it's just all great. The whole whole newsroom. I think of the of the three versions of Spider Man we're talking about, this is the one that's closest to the Stan Lee yeah. Ditko. Original. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And it comes through a lot with J. Jonah. Mm-hmm. But but it comes through a lot. You know, it, is, it is very comic booky. It is kind of ridiculous. But it, it walks that line between comic booky and kind of almost, yeah, like, like, I said, like I said before, cartoonish. But but it is it is more close to what Stan and Steve were, were writing in those first yeah. 30, 35 issues or so. That's what I was saying at the beginning. That's why I really like the world of this to, mm. to play around with the Spider-Man character. Because even like um, all the extras, like all the little weird interviews they do to people and the montages mm. about Spider-Man and stuff, it's just it only could exist in a cartoon or a comic. This type where they drag in Lucy Lawless to play a goth. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah, all of that. Yeah, all of... yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's kind of a hyper reality. Is it's not? It's not? It's not real. It, we all know this is not the real world. <laughs> but it's but it's fine because and, and that's why and that's why you can make all those kind of suspension of disbelief leaps because it's not grounded in any real in any reality it's not meant to be this is what always made marvel different to dc anyway dc tries to ground itself yeah it's always tried to do the darker mm. marvel goes well, we're comics let's do a comic yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, actually, this is a good segue into talking about the amazing um, movies uh, yeah. because those do skew more realistic, or try to. <laughs> the we'll, we'll call it we'll, we'll call them the amazing movies or the web movies. You know, Mark Webb directed movies. Mm-hmm. Basically, off the back of Spider-Man Three being such an absolute mess, it got rebooted. There was talks about making a Spider-Man four for quite some time, yeah. but then it just, it just it just kind of all ended up kind of falling to pieces, and they Sony were pushing for a reboot, and I think Raimi, I think I think they wanted Raimi to make it, and he left. Yeah, Raimi gave up. Yeah, he had a problem with the third one anyway. Yeah, he didn't like. Yeah, he was quite. He's quite. He's quite frank about not liking the third one. He's not one of these directors who'll endlessly defend his bad movies. So what we got were the Mark Webb movies, Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2, back when we just numbered movies, didn't give them strange little uh, <laughs> taglines. 
But um, so, Glatosh, um, would you like to tell me what you think of the uh, Mark Webb movies? Um, they have their moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their also massive issues, uh, more so than Raimi's, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my first biggest issue with it is Andrew Garfield is too good looking to be Peter Parker. Yes. I can't believe that he is unlikable and a complete misfit. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair criticism. Whereas Tobey Maguire I completely understand that no one likes him <laughs> and he doesn't fit in. Because <laughs> he's just got a face that you go, Oh, I really want to punch it. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's got he's got resting smug face. Yeah, because Andrew Garfield, he comes in, he's doing cool things. Mm. He's skateboarding, he's mm. doing uh, photography and web designing in an age where it's, you know, that's cool. Yeah, and he's using Bing to, to do all his uh, web searches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think Microsoft must have given him a bit of money. put the finger yeah. in. Yeah, but he's meant to be a genius, but he doesn't know that's not the best browser. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The redeeming feature, I think, is the relationship between him and Gwen Stacy. Mm. That's great. It's much more believable than the uh, Tobey Maguire MJ. I absolutely agree. Bit. Yes. Uh, like when you get onto Spider- Amazing Spider-Man Two, it actually feels tragic when spoilers Gwen Stacy dies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I I shed a tear. Yeah. It really touched me. Um, both both those movies did, even though, like you say, they have the more problems than yeah. than the Raimi ones. M- many more problems. I still find that there there's more bits where I get feel a bit emotional. Yeah, because it hits the right beats. Mm, absolutely. Um, I think Andrew Garfield was the best Spider Man of all three, but I think he's the worst piece of Parker. Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh, for what I said before, I don't believe him as this outcast misfit. Mm-hmm. They didn't even, if even if they were going down the dark and broody misfit, quiet in the corner, uh, so I, about to pull out a rifle and shoot down the school type misfit. <laughs> they yeah. didn't go down that route either. So. Yeah, he does. He does feel a little bit too cool. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't one hundred percent agree because I do, I do like his Peter Parker, but it is. Um, it is a departure um, from other versions, and it's it's further away from the comic than possibly either of the other two. Yeah. Wasn't doesn't these films more based on the Ultimate comics? Yeah, it then? doesn't really match him with that one though. Either. No, it it doesn't. It doesn't. But it's like, isn't that what they were trying to do in this world? Because even with the way they did the villains and mm, maybe a little bit, but not. A lot more of it is ripped straight out of the uh, early 100s issues of The Amazing Spider-Man. It's got the okay. Gwen Stacy, the Captain Stacy bits. Yeah. They're direct riffs off the comics. He's still a photographer. He's still... Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's hugely similar to the Ultimate Universe. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, like, I do like his Peter Parker, but I totally agree that he is, he is a little bit too good looking and it's a little bit more unbelievable that he would be unpopular i just think that he's so he's so damn charming that uh yeah that i can't hold it against him <laughs> i think that's the problem with these films on re-watching them is that if andrew garfield's spider-man was in a different set of movies it might work a bit better 
but it's it's like I was saying in the first one, the world really suits this Spider-Man. This world, I don't think, really works well for him. The way they've tried to make it all gritty and mm. darker, and when he's his Spider-Man and he makes his quips and up, it's great. I think, like, yes, when he's in the suit, he embodies Spider-Man a bit better, but I don't think it works well in this. Like, in the second film, he's making jokes with the rhino, but he's also, like, the truck is going through the town, killing many people, but he's making his quips. I'm like, well, yes, you're funny, but this is not the time, <laughs> you know. Uh... Yeah, I think by trying to, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen Mark Webb talk about this and say that he wanted to make it more grounded in reality. But by by grounding it in reality, when you get the more kind of comic bookish kind of stuff happening, the kind of more kind of ridiculous stuff, like for instance a massive car chase, which I thought was one of the, was a great scene, but mm-hmm. it's harder to kind of disconnect yourself and go, well, um, sure, loads of people died or, or whatever. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's over, they're kind of over the, all over the place tonally. Yeah. Yeah. You have some very kind of like serious stuff going on and then you have some seriously ridiculous stuff happening, especially with the villains. I mean, the, I'd say conversely to um, to Raimi, here the villains are the weak are the weak point, and the the hero and his love interest, you know, uh, Gwen Stacy, Emma Stone, they're they're the strength of the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because the lizard, other than going a bit Brundlefly, <laughs> that seems to be the only motivation of it. I'm doing this because I really want to get my arm back, but I'm doing all these experiments. I know it's a bit wonky, but they're taking the front. Go, okay, so keeping true to the comics here. But mm-hmm. then he just goes Brundlefly. Yeah, he just he goes, I'm a lizard, so now everyone should be lizards. Yeah. Uh, why? Because? Um, Reasons. It's... <laughs> when I rewatched it, I forgot that he... The reason he took the formula in the first place is because this executive or head of the estate for Osborne is telling him, we're going to just give it to a bunch of people in the hospital somewhere. We're doing the trials now. And he's like, no... We should take the proper steps. I was like, well... And so immediately the proper step is inject it into your arm. Yeah, I mean... Exactly, yeah. He goes, no, no, no. We should be doing this proper way. Uh, I'm going to quit if we don't do it the proper way. And then the guy goes, well, if you quit, we're just going to do it anyway. So his immediate immediate response is, well, in that case, I'm going to inject it into my arm. Okay. Um, Maybe if Peter's father had done that, then he'd be be Spider-Man. Maybe. Because he, yeah. he left the project for the same kind of reasons. He left. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then you've got, obviously, the, the worst example of this is Electro and his I hate Spider-Man because he forgot my birthday. Yes. <laughs> I don't... Oh, and he why? also turned out not to be his friend. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> he imagined he was because he <laughs> happened to save him once. Yeah. Yeah. And even though he was trying to talk him down during that scene in Times Square, he was having none of it. His his motivations are so flimsy; it's insane. Yeah, that's so weird. That whole Max Dillon thing, that that whole pre-electro bit. It's just, why did they make that choice? The comb, the comb over, and the teeth. Yes. Uh, well, the, even the whole crazy apartment scene. It's like, why even? Why is this even here? Why even include it? Like, it's so. I'm. I've got. Four words to say to you which explain this. Okay. Alex Kurtzman, Roberto Orca, or Orky. Say no more. Yeah. 
Is, is that the the people who wrote it? The, the two two of the worst writers in Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> were were brought on to this to um, they weren't they didn't write Amazing Spider-Man one. Okay. Yeah. But they they were brought in for Amazing Spider-Man two, and they are franchise destroyers. Yeah. Their name on something is a mark of the quality you should expect. Yeah. That they wrote Transformers. They wrote Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> they wrote uh, Star Trek: Into Darkness. Uh, yeah. They wrote The Mummy. Oh my goodness! This is not a good CV. <laughs> I know, but yet they still get work. Alex Kurtzman is now in charge of Star Trek, and he's made Star Trek: Discovery and Star Trek: Picard, which are awful. But hey. Wow. He keeps getting that work. He's coming in and ruining things. He must have a dossier on someone. He has to, yeah. He's got, he's got some secrets, yeah. That makes sense then, because there is... Like, it's, like I said, it's been a long time since I've watched these films. There is a big difference between the first one and the second one. Yes. I mean, the first one isn't great, but the second one is truly awful. Yes. There is a reason why... Sony went running to Marvel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there are some good bits. There's some good bits in the second one, like the crime, the crime fighting scene that you're talking about, the opening of Spider-Man Two. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really good. Um, where, where, is, where you've got the guy who will later become uh, Rhino driving that armored, you know, armored car. That's a good scene, and Spider-Man's being genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. He's very good. He's got. He's very like like. Um, like Galactus was saying, he's a good Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's really good with the quips, really good with a with, with the kind of yeah, all the kind of comedy whilst fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that seems great. And then in the first one, you've got the bit on the bridge where he saves that kid, and that that's fantastic. Like where he takes the mask off, and that's just Pete, that, that's Spider-Man slash Peter Parker down to a T. And my personal favourite bit of all of them is the bit where he's trying to save Gwen Stacy and you see his hand, his web reach oh, out yeah. like a hand to try and grab <laughs> yeah. her. I personally think that's the best of all the Spider-Man so? films. I, I... That is my standout <laughs> of it. It's got, it's just got pathos and, you know, a good visual trick going on. I, to be honest, when I saw that, I thought it was a bit cheesy, but like on rewatching it, it doesn't look quite a, as much like a hand as I, I, I remember it looking. <laughs> No, um, but it does kind of look a little bit like a hand, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean, but those two were fantastic. I mean, they they were in a relationship in real life, um, which helped. Yeah. But I mean, the same is true of the current Spider-Man, and I wouldn't say that that's the strength of the current one. What he's going out with Ned? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the obvious strongest relationship in that film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The bromance. But yeah, no, uh, those two are fantastic, and it's really it's it's believable, and she's fantastic as Gwen Stacy, really good, and and like, like I think um, Dave, you were kind of, you sure you shared some kind of meme with me about um, about Mary Jane Watson. Oh yeah, uh, in the first movies and how she's always just kind of the damsel in distress, yeah. and I think more so than any of the other love interests, Gwen is positioned well as kind of like. Being on his level, but not being part of the team, as it were. Oh yeah, I I know the one you mean. That I wasn't. It wasn't so much the the kidnapping part. It was just Mary Jane, the character in the Raimi films. I just didn't like. I remember not liking her as a child, and as we're now rewatching it, it's like 
There's a lot of points in those films where it's. You see, I don't. It, I, it, I I I don't. I don't have any sympathy for her when it gets. I don't <laughs> agree. I don't agree because Peter messes her about so much. She does the it's same to surprised. him. It's, uh, it's like tit for tat. <laughs> I don't think so. It's re- no. I mean, like no. I'm more on her side than his. Yeah, I think she. Everything she does is pretty much valid. He run, he runs hot and cold with her so much. But there is like at least, and in, she's not going to know why, is she? There's one. He ruins her wedding. Yeah, he ruins her wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there is at least once in every of those Romeo films, she's trying to get Peter to either kiss her, to admit that he loves her, or be with her while she's already dating someone or is already engaged to someone. Like she does it as well. Like. If you want to say they're both terrible, that's fine. But <laughs> um, no, well, no, I, but I don't think I think that that's she knows that he loves her and she loves him. Yeah, but he will, he keeps running hot and cold with her, so she so she gets on with her life. What do you want her to do? Just <laughs> hang around and wait? No, I don't. I, don't, I would just can't wait so long. Why? Why? Why is she always with? I can't understand if she was single or looking to someone, but she's already with someone. And if Peter says no, a, she goes to this person. <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, I suppose because she's an she's an attractive actress. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, I, I suppose she's not she's not going to hang around forever for him. And she has she did try several times. You know, I mean, he gets together with her and dumps her like three or four times. Once a film. Yeah, once a film. It's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But okay. So. Oh yeah, we're together. Oh, but actually, I hate you. Goodbye. But okay. I'll, all right. A different way, like you said with Gwen, she mm-hmm. she does the same thing in the second film. She's sick of it. She's sick of with Andrew pretending to want to be with her, then focusing on what her dad said and going back and forth. And she's like, "I'm ending it. I'm done. I, I can't deal with you." But 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 Dave, the difference there is that she knows he's Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, but Mary Jane finds out halfway through. That's fine. No, she doesn't. She doesn't no. find out till the end of the second movie. Yeah. Okay. Fine. She has an inkling throughout all of the films, but when she finds out, no, she, also that doesn't make it any different. Tobey Maguire didn't promise anyone's dying dad that they won't make her the love of life who happens to be his daughter not be in any harm anywhere again. Yeah, and then she does die. Yeah, uh, so he was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ghost Dad was right, I guess, because okay. <laughs> Ghost Dad does come off a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> But that's but that's what I mean. The, the it's it's a more, I suppose again, like we're saying, the more re, more realistic take in Amazing Spider-Man is a more re, it's a more realistic relationship than in the Raimi. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I agree. But I do, I I honestly don't think I think in the Raimi movies, Peter's the dick, not Mary Jane. Okay, <laughs> I'd go with that. My <laughs> What do you guys think about? the whole Uncle Ben death in the web movies and how that, well, I mean, how it played out is one thing, but it's how Peter went on to only go after guys with blonde hair and the possible tattoo on their arm. That was, I, that was really weird how that's how he became Spider-Man is just to... Well, that was them trying to do something different because mm. Raimi did the actual comic version. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's a riff, but... Mm. Yeah, so that's what I want to know. So, what did you guys think of that at that time? Like, what is? I think it's fine. I think that again, I think it's it's kind of like I, I imagine 
Mark Webb or whoever, I can't remember who, who wrote the first one. I think that they were thinking, well, how would this play out in reality? Would Spider-Man or would, you know, Peter immediately chase down the guy within like 24 hours mm -hmm. and get it all out of the way? Or would he have to search for this guy? And maybe we'll string it out a bit longer and have him, have this guy kind of be like a, um, something he's looking for while he, while he's learning his powers. But they never, he never finds him and it's just, it's, it's not brought up again. I mean, I'm fine with that, but I just wanted to know what you guys thought of it. Cause it's where it really, I really, um, it brought it to light when they're having the dinner with the, the Stacys and mm -hmm. the captain brings it up. And he actually lists it out, and it's like, well, I never thought of it that way. Yes, he's only going after one type of person. He's not actually helping the little people yet. He's just, <laughs> yeah, because he's um, he's traumatized. He's um, he feels responsible for his for his uncle's death, mm. obviously, and this is his way of dealing with it. It's um, it's trauma. What do you what do you think about the way Uncle Ben died in these films? Because this has always been a thing that people are like he gets shot why why did he do what he did and that's that moment because from his perspective a guy was running in front of him he falls over a gun falls out of his pocket there is no danger he doesn't know he's robbed anything it's fine but he go he runs for the gun preemptively yeah, people, and gets shot people <laughs> guns fall out of people's pockets all the time maybe in america i don't know but i <laughs> don't think they do more likely in america <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't bother me, possibly because I'm just so familiar with the whole story of Uncle Ben's death that it's just got yeah. to be told in some kind of way. Uh, I, it's... it's it's basically, he's a role model. Ben is someone who, who believes in doing the right thing mm -hmm. and being responsible. And that's why he stops this guy. It, it's just an A to B thing you have to have happen. Yeah. You have to have Uncle Ben there mm. and Uncle Ben dead. Yeah. To have Spider-Man. Unless it's the MCU. Hmm. <laughs> Where they don't bro broach it at all because they've done it twice and they can't be bothered oh. to do it again. And everyone goes, right, do we really want to kill... It's like DC keep killing off the bloody uh, Wayne. Yes, yes. It's, it's that problem. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if I have anything anything more to say. I mean, I I have a soft spot for the, the, the Mark Webb movies, but they are the ones that have the most issues, definitely. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, but there's some really good bits. It's just unfortunate that, that so many of those really good bits are buried under some truly terrible writing. What did you think about the ending to the films? There's one thing I noticed is that both films kind of end in the same way. With a funeral. Not so much the funeral, it's the... In the first film, Uncle Ben... They both end with a Stacy dying. No, no, no well, yes, yeah. but no. That, um... Uncle Ben had left him a message while he was looking for him the night he gets shot, and he's too upset to listen to it the first time, and he listens to it at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. And then in the second film, he listens to Gwen's speech that he missed early in the film because he was late, and he listens to that at the end. Maybe it's just because Mark Webb only, ha only knows one way how to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like Marvel with the giant space laser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do we end this movie? Um, giant space laser. Okay, great. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's just something I noticed when we watching it. Like... Yeah, I mean that's actually that's something we should talk about. That the one thing that Amazing Spider-Man does, which I actually think is quite 
I think when I first watched them, I wasn't into it, but now I quite like is that they try to delve into like his parents' history a little bit more. Mm. And that's something that hasn't been done in, you know, it doesn't generally get done in the cartoons, doesn't generally get done in the, 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 the movies. It was nice to have that other part in there. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I mean, they were, they were, um, there were secret agents in the comic book, weren't they, uh, Tosh? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. so, you know, it was there. It is something you can draw upon. And it was interesting to kind of like rope his dad in. And there, there was a, wasn't there a, um, wasn't there like a post-credit scene on the second one with his dad? Uh, no, that was with the Sinister Six, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh no, there was. No, there was a scene on the um, on the DVD on the deleted scenes where Peter Parker is at Gwen's grave and his dad turns up and he's not dead. Oh, I can't say I've seen that. Yeah, look it up. But then he wasn't dead in the comics. Uh, yeah, he's got a sister in the comics who may mm. or may not be his sister. Yeah, but yeah, I think what they did was they I think they pulled that scene because. Well, I don't know why they pulled that scene. Possibly because they didn't think they were going to be making a sequel in the end. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as soon as the reviews came out for, the, for that one, they went, ooh. Because I think that scene was setting up Amazing Spider-Man 3. Oh. Yeah, it's an odd an odd scene. Mm. Uh, rewatching it <laughs> out of context. But it would have been now. interesting to see where that would have went. We might find out, yeah. But to be honest, there's no, there's no forgiving. I mean, we haven't even spoken about the Green Goblin. There's, there's no. Oh, there's... I, that's villains just worth skimming over in the entire thing. <laughs> They're pointless. They all the 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 basement of backpacks, all the different origin story backpacks. They're all there. Different villains. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah, but well, there were there were clearly Sony wanted Sony did want to set up a, like a Sinister Six uh, kind of situation. They were trying to set up their own little Spider Verse, weren't they? Yeah, they were absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and you know they almost did, and then. Amazing Spider-Man Two was such turkey. Because isn't there? There's the little scenes of, is it Felicia? Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the lady who's Jin Erso, right? That's her. Yeah, yeah it's what's her face from um, Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> she was meant to have more part in the film, and they were going to have a Black Cat spin-off. And no, 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 no. Oh no. Well, she just played the character Felicia Hardy. We, I don't think they knew whether they were going to go Black Cat with yeah. her or not. Yeah, I'm I'm getting confused. I'm thinking of Raimi. Spider-Man Four was a there was a there was a kind of a kind of script Stoke treatment written for Spider-Man before before they rebooted, and that was going to have the Vulture in it. And um, yeah. Felicia Hardy was going to be in it, but she was going to be the Vultress. She was going to be like a female oh. Vulture. <laughs> Vultress sounds okay. like a female Electro. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Vultress, not Vultress. <laughs> but yes, it does. Um, but anyway, that I, I I digress. This film was when that big Sony hack happened. All these emails leaked out. It was after the, that. It was after it. That was after this film coming up. This is the film that triggered Sony into really wanting Marvel's help. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when the emails went back and forwards and it was uh, Harry Osborne's uh, film, uh, the interview that caused the entire hack to happen, allegedly. Oh, yes. Please don't come yes. after me, North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> but allegedly, that's where that happened. And so that was all after this. Basically, it would appear that um, a certain country 
of a certain political dissuasion was not very happy with a film that may or may not have starred Seth Rogen and Dave Franco. Not James, James Franco, not Dave. Dave is innocent. <laughs> they might have uh, then hacked the company responsible for making said film and leaked all of their emails over the internet which then mm. turned out that one of the biggest reveals was begging letters from Sony to Marvel of going, help, please help, you're our yeah. only hope. <laughs> <laughs> In the wake of uh, how bad reception for Amazing Spider-Man 2 was. And also how well the MCU, how, how well that was starting to go. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, at that point, had Avengers been out by that point? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. so, I mean, and Avengers was um, was massive. There's talks of this being part of that universe at the time, right? Wasn't there like uh, a big thing about the Oscorp Tower was going to be in the Avengers film and the landscape and the big New York battle? Marvel always pushed for everything they could possibly get off everyone. Yeah. But they always said, like Fox and Sony always went, no, 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 they're ours. You sold them to us, no takes backs. Yeah, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel have been desperate to have those rights back for a long time. So desperate that Disney bought an entire studio. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went, I went to um, the Kapow uh, Comic Con um, in London, and there was a um, there was a panel with. Um, oh, right, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name right, so I'm going to ask uh, Galactosh to do so. What was the name of the um, editor in chief of Marvel at the time? Oh, Joey Q. Yep. That guy. Joe Crusader. That's it. <laughs> he, so he was heading up this panel and they were talking quite frankly about all of the mu- all of the movie rights and they were very clear that they totally regretted selling them off and desperately mm. wanted them back. All of them, like including Punisher, yeah. all that stuff. They all wanted all of that back. Mm. But remember, if they hadn't done that, Marvel wouldn't exist. So it's catch-22, really. If they hadn't done that... Yeah, they needed the money, didn't they? They would have gone bankrupt. Yeah. And they would, they, Marvel would have gone completely. And then mm. we wouldn't have the MCU that they're regretting having to set it off to come back to it. And it was, yeah, we could get into that circular argument all day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that, 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 I mean, they, I, I imagine when they got those begging letters from Sony, they were probably rubbing their hands in glee. Yeah. <laughs> My the upshot was eventually Marvel and, uh, and Sony came to an agreement which allowed them to collaborate on the yeah. on the Spider-Man movies and on the MCU side of things. So we got everyone finally got what they wanted, Spider-Man in the MCU. Way. <laughs> Dave, tell us why this is a good thing and then I'll tell you why it's not. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so from my view and perspective on Spider-Man and the way, you know, people in college, uni were talking about it and the way we all kind of had this idea of the world the MCU has built with these superheroes, mm-hmm. what it would be like if Spider-Man was in it. And at that, to that point, it was Garfield who was Spider-Man and it was the idea of having him in that world. And, you know, yes, it could work. Maybe we'd have to brush up and understand why these people haven't been around all this time. Fine. But when they had Tom Holland in Civil War and the way they introduced Tom Holland and the look, him as Peter Parker, all of it, at that time, I was over the moon. I thought it was a great way 
of introducing Spider-Man. And even at that point, I thought that was it. I thought, well, he's there. He may pop up again in a big film. We won't be seeing him for a little while now because they don't own him mm-hmm. per se. I thought that would have been, an, and that would have been enough for me, to be honest. I thought his introduction in Civil War was enough and he would have been brought in in little bits if needed. I didn't think he was going to get a movie off the bat like that. Well, he was always, he was always going to have Sony movies, but, as he has had. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I suppose... And they still are Sony movies. They're not Marvel yeah, movies Yeah, they, they are. They are Sony. Yes. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're made in association with Marvel Studios. They're not made by Marvel Studios. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone envisaged him paying quite such a big part in... Infinity War and Endgame as he did. No, not at the time, no way, no. But I mean, I think it's good that they got him into the MCU. I just think they got him in kind of a bit late. And unfortunately, because the MCU had been ramping up towards Infinity War for all of this time, for like a decade previous to this happening, pretty much, all of a sudden he's just thrust in there and he had to, they had to just basically go, all these things that Spider-Man's about, we have to dump those and just have him in here as um, Iron Man Jr. <laughs> um, I mean, I thought Homecoming is a, was a great movie. But I think after that, things went wrong. Well, think of it around the other way around. Did mm-hmm. you really want another Spider-Man origin? No, not necessarily, but I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a bit more, um, a little bit more backstory to him, and also a little bit more of him. I thought Homecoming was a good movie; it was a good starting point. But I felt that he should have then, we should have then moved on to him, kind of like continuing to learn to be a superhero, less less interference from Tony Stark, and filling in the gaps, like of you know why he's a crime fighter and fleshing out his supporting cast and bringing together his kind of coterie of villains. But instead, he kind of, they just kind of launch him headlong into an intergalactic space adventure where he's not really fighting, he's not really crime fighting, he's just fighting alien monsters. And then he gets deleted from existence. And it's just like the whole Spider-Man movies have been hijacked by this big event. Uh, so much like the comics then. Yeah, yes. <laughs> But I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. the comics though that the big events hijacked Spider-Man after he'd been properly uh, developed. If you know what I true. mean. True. No, true. I was being flippant. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's what I mean. I I don't think he had the room to grow because I think Homecoming is a very good movie, but Far From Home is no, is a terrible movie. And do you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as terrible. Terrible. I don't think it's that bad. It's it. Well, it's it's boring. I mean, it, oh, it's, it's, I, I, I think it's think, got a ludicrous premise. I can't think of much good to say about it, to be honest. Jake? No, no. Jake Gyllenhaal's not particularly really? good. No, no. I thought he was great. It's a film, villain right? with reasons of... Uh, it's basically got exactly the same reasons as The Incredibles. It's mm. someone who, <laughs> yes. who was just a bit, <laughs> bit let down by yes. people. And going, well, I'm going to be a supervillain now. It just make it's another one. It's a movie that feels like it's it's there as a stepping stone to something else, rather yeah. than being a movie on its own. It, it, it is. It's filler. It's a bridge. Yeah. It's how do you get to be there for No Way Home? Mm. And that's what every Spider-Man appearance has been, excluding Homecoming. It's been we've got Spider-Man in here because we need something to happen that then 
will lead on to another movie later. Not, this is a movie about Spider-Man. Uh, That's my feeling on it anyway. Yeah, well, see, this is, this is, I get what you're saying, but I get why it's happening because of this universe. Like, the other two iterations of Spider-Man could make that work because it was focused solely in New York and it was just about his story. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, and I get why that helps to build the character of Spider-Man. But in this world, it's been established that he's not alone in terms of being a hero. There's other heroes, be it fighting galactic threats and fighting aliens and whatnot, but they're like the world is accustomed to having more than one hero in it. But but that was... The town doesn't just rely on Spider-Man. It has all these other heroes that are there. Agreed, agreed. But that was true in the comics, and they still managed to make it work. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's uh, Even even though that's a thing in the comics, it's different in the films because they have to account for all of that. Like, even why, like... um, um, What are they called now? The Netflix series shows... When they happened, they had to be in a world where the Shatari attack happened and New York was decimated. And yeah, but, these events are the little people on the ground of that world. It's But they were still it, able to p- produce a proper story that wasn't completely affected by that. Mostly. Because those stories were not going to affect the bigger world, but Spider-Man stories... Will why or at least introduce stuff? Why? I didn't. Why? I didn't write it. Spider Man has generally <laughs> been considered a street level hero. Yeah, like he, Luke he, Cage, like Daredevil, like they're contemporaries. They fill the same niches. Mm. Spider Man is ludicrously, I, ludicrously overpowered to be a street yeah. level hero. But his villains are just crooks. Yeah, his his villains in this are not. This is the, this is my problem with the MCU Spider Man is. His villains are not really his villains. They're Spider. They're Iron Man's villains. All the people that he's faced up until No Way Home, and even then, they're not even really his villains either. It's not his villains that he's fighting. Well, that's because of the the, the toxic influence of Tony Stark in the MCU. Yes, Tony yeah. Stark <laughs> is the ultimate big bad yeah. in the MCU. Yeah, he's he's the villain of the whole thing. And even that, I I. I know that that's a, that's a problem, and I don't personally like it. I think he should have more villains that are necessarily connected to him, but are, you know, they're his arch enemy. They're the ones who want to go after Spider-Man. He's not. Yeah. They don't want to go after Iron Man, and he gets in the way. Mm. Well, that's what I mean. I think th- so. Th- so that's what my problem is with. It. I mean, I do like the MCU, and I do I do like some of the stuff with Spider-Man in, but it's so intrinsically tied into the bigger picture and the bigger story that's going on that you bypass all that stuff of spider-man being um a kind of an an outcast and not taken seriously by all the other superheroes in the universe as as he wasn't in the comic books like he tried to join the fantastic four and they told him to go away well he did ask how much they paid (laughs) exactly because because he he was a cock (laughs) to be fair the fantastic four did want to sort of take him in but yeah uh he asked how much they paid so he walked away because he was looking for a job Loads of the other superheroes in the in the Marvel universe in the comics just they were aware of him, but they thought he was a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. But so you bypass all that, and instead of having this kind of geeky, unpopular, slightly cocky nerd who becomes a becomes a kind of street level superhero, 
who has all these all these real world issues like finishing school, um, looking after his frail, poverty stricken aunt, who is alone because he didn't act uh, to you know to stop uh, the death of Uncle Ben. Instead, you've kind of got him mm-hmm. kind of going off on a on a kind of interla- intergalactic jaunt with his with his Avengers pals, and he's like a popular, well liked superhero out in space with his surrogate dad Tony uh, wearing a bloody super suit. But that's because the MCU, unlike mm-hmm. the comics, is essentially the entire cinematic universe is the crossover event. Mm where they've forgotten to do the individual series that ran before that, before the uh, series got taken over by the crossover. We're only reading the crossover events. Yeah, they jumped straight to the crossover events. They, yeah. yeah, They started with some small solo movies, but it very quickly ramped up. Yeah, It's because it got really, like in the first phase, you had all the introductions to the main Avengers, and then they had the Avengers. And then they started to introduce more characters and they had their, their sequel films. And in those sequel films, there were times where it was like, well, why aren't we calling Tony? Or in like, as Iron Man 3, why isn't Tony getting help from Cap? Yeah. If is, or, or Shield, or like there was times where it was like, well, this, you're starting to take you out of the film because you've already introduced characters who are not really like tied down. That they can't help these people in their time of need because they're busy. Yeah, what, what, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can explain it. You can explain it with they're busy. But Iron Man three, he needed some help. Cap was running away from uh, Hydra. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> it, it got it got it got to a point where it kind of wasn't believable that all of these scenarios, if they were going to be world ending scenarios, like well, that's uh, what that's what that's the problem. You see, Spider Man's problems are not world ending scenarios. No, the only no. ones they should ever end are his own world. Yeah, which is why Homecoming, why I like Homecoming, because the baddie is just is just stealing weapons and technology. He's just a crook. Okay, he is kind of connected to Tony Stark, but only tangentially, really. But he's also connected to Peter Parker because he's his, uh, his loving trust dad. Yeah, which, which yes. works really well. Yeah. But then... In the second movie, you've got a guy who's got a vendetta against Tony Stark and wants these bloody glasses. <laughs> and by this point, Peter's become the new Iron Man. In fact, that's what that's what he says in the in the video at the end. He says he want he wants to be the new Iron Man. He wants all of Iron Man's technology to himself. Yeah, I I, I don't like that either. I don't get that at all. But that's because the whole film's just a bridge. It is. It's a bridging episode. That's that's my problem. I don't have a problem with MCU Spider-Man per se. I just don't think he's anything like the Spider-Man I know and love. Therefore, I have less of it, less interest in him. Which is why we may as well get onto it. No Way Home does a lot to address that problem. Mm. Yes, and I'm reinterested in what might happen after this because No Way Home is basically a soft reboot of Spider-Man. It's not even that soft. No, <laughs> it's quite a hard reboot. It makes it makes the other appearances of Spider-Man in the MCU feel more like a very long origin story to get to where he is now. Like a like he needed to like he he couldn't really do the normal beats of Spider-Man because he exists in this universe. So he has to do it a different way. Like it will have to lead up to something different for him to become but Spider-Man. That is all because Marvel do not have Spider-Man. Hmm. 
Marvel have borrowed Spider-Man. Yes. And this is all about all they can do with it. Yeah. They couldn't do an origin because Sony, for all we know, could have gone, hold on, hold on. No, we own the origin, we, we own the origin stories to Spider-Man. You're borrowing him. He is a subpart. He's a, a sub-character for you to borrow. Yeah. That is also the other problem. Because that was the big thing with Far From Home, wasn't it? That the deal ended and he was not going to be in any movies for like a whole week yeah. or two weeks. Yeah. And then came back. But that that movie exists to kind of moves again. It's not it's not a movie. It's a it's a bridge between movies again, and it's also a way of, of kind of going just celebrating. Oh look, we've got all of the Spider Man villains in here and all the Spider Men. Isn't it great? <laughs> look at all the hot toys. Come buy the hot toys. They can now they can now <laughs> sell you three Spider Man figures. Yeah, exactly. And go, they're all different in nine different costumes. Nah, just the same one in different boxes. <laughs> I know that Dave wants to talk about costumes later. Oh, oh, oh I do. But like, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy No Way Home, but um, I enjoyed it because of the last, the last act and where, 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 where it left us. I did like the way that everyone got a, a result, everyone's resolution. Yeah. Tobey Maguire didn't really get one, but he got stabbed, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but Andrew Garfield got got a resolution yes he did yes he got to save the girl yeah being the one who literally got their their story cut the shortest yes and there was even a bit because i mean these movies do try and be be a bit meta don't they and yeah. it, there was a bit where they kind of give him validation don't they like he's like i think yeah to- telling Toby, him he's amazing yeah toby Maguire's <laughs> telling him he's amazing yeah it's like no yeah. you're amazing no don't 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 let everybody put you down as being the worst Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the thing they do that a lot in the MCU, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's uh, it's not. But but they do. There's a lot of kind of like jokey wink wink to the audience kind of stuff about almost kind of like oh comic book silly guys. Yeah, it's because they're trying not to be DC. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah maybe being too earnest can be a problem. Absolutely, what they're doing is working for them. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, No Way Home is a good way of kind of like putting all the putting all the toys away and putting everybody back, you know, resetting the chessboard, as it were. Yeah, I like it's the way. Those... Go on. on, no, go ahead, Dave. I was, I was going to say it's one of those films where it's really uh, it's difficult to think about too much because you start to overthink it. Oh, the plot, more, the plot makes no sense. To... It's it's complete it's complete nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. The plot about that that I have a problem with. If they're meant, all these villains have been snatched out of the moment just before they die. Mm. Although a couple of them mm-hmm. don't die. Just yeah. Saying. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them doesn't even know he's Peter Parker. Yep. And so, mm. where are the Spider Men snatched from? Are they snatched from the point just before they die? Well, no, because they they come from the current time. Yeah, they come yeah, but from... why are they being snatched from then? Because the rest of them, they point at these, they are snatched just before they die. Yeah, that's what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, we're, we're getting people, everybody who knows who Peter is and Electro are brought to, uh, to his reality. <laughs> and if they've died, they come from just before they died. But if they haven't, then they come from now. For, for some reason. Yes, I thought it was... But then Reese fans was, was cured. So why is Kurt Connors there as the lizard? Apart from the fact Reese Ethan's couldn't turn up for filming. Well, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't die. And Sandman didn't die. No, he drifted off in the wind. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were coming in as they as the points that they died. I they, thought they were coming they in it. as the. It's meant to be they the... say it very clearly in the movie. Yeah. If they hadn't have said it in the movie, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. But they did. I thought that they were turning up at the points where they realised that Peter was Spider-Man. Or Sandman. Or vice versa. Doesn't it? Sandman would have known, oh look, that's Spider-Man without his mask on. Yeah. That's it. You won't know <laughs> who he is. You wouldn't know he's Peter Parker, which is the premise. And then, even then when he, he yeah. knows, oh, I killed your uncle, he still didn't know who he killed or who his uncle. Hmm. Maybe he found out in the years after because he didn't die. Maybe he just maybe they hang out and go for coffee now. Maybe they they're all right with each other. Well, because when he sees Spider Man, when he sees Tom, he's like, "It's me, it's Flint." You know, like we're we're all pals. Well, to wouldn't... be fair, Flint Marco is one of those uh, characters that has flip flopped. Yeah, he's not. He's, he's, he's not really a villain. I mean, he has yeah. been a villain at times, but he's he's more of an antihero, really. It's more a merc. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to do right by his family, even, but he is a criminal. Even in the films, yeah, yeah. I think he was even an Avenger at one point. For a he bit. was, he was an Avenger for a while. Yeah, that yeah. was around about the time I started reading wow. um, Avengers. Actually, I don't know where I picked it up, but I picked up a comic from. Again, it will be it will be the news agents before the hairdressers. <laughs> I will have uh, picked up um, an Avengers comic, and yeah, that was the time when Sandman was in was in the Avengers. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, 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 on, honestly, the, the logic, the logic of those movies, especially now that I went back and watched all the old movies, it doesn't, it doesn't hold any water whatsoever. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's like any parallel universe stroke time travel film. It is, like. yeah. If you, the minute you try to pull it apart, it ceases to exist. Yeah, because it's, this stuff is so theoretical and so kind of silly that it's quite hard to like come up with a kind of solid. Um, working theory, but I do think that the writers of um, of No Way Home didn't do themselves any favors by making such specific claims as "oh, they were plucked just before their death." Because by curing by curing them, I, I think Doctor Octopus realized he was re- realized right at the end of Spider Man Two what was happening, and he sacrificed yeah. himself. So it would have made no difference. Yeah. Yes, it would. It might have made a difference um, with. Um, with Norman Osborn, but Norman Osborn was a bastard anyway. Yeah. So what, we cure him of being a mad bastard and he's just a bastard. And then Electro, um, well, for a start, he didn't know who Spider-Man was, so why is he even there? But um, And why has he got a completely different look? Yeah, yeah. Um, admittedly, it's better than what he had, but... Apparently he just looks he just looks different in this universe for some reason. No one yeah. else does. It's because electricity is different in that universe. It's all different. Yes, because electricity was purple in the, that universe and yellow in yes. the MCU. I, I remember electricity looking very different in, uh, in Amazing Spider-Man. And, and, and in that case, why isn't sand different in this universe? Yeah. It's because he can't. That's why he doesn't be, look human, because he can't adjust to this sound. No, that's here. just because Thomas Hayden Church <laughs> couldn't turn up for filming. That's the real reason. He literally <laughs> filmed, phoned his part in. <laughs> Same with Reese fans. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he appeared for like a second, didn't he? And um... yeah, but that's just um, from the the second the, from the film. It's not. Yeah, that's just straight out of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, they've just flipped that scene. Yeah, P- P- the whole the whole the whole premise of how they're going to fix this problem by curing everybody is just it's just dumb. I mean, even yeah. even Doctor Strange points out how pointless it is. Mm. And yeah, like, 
you know, they say, oh, we're going to we're going to cure them. Why doesn't Andrew Garfield go? But I did cure him. He does actually at one point say, I've done it once. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I'm just going to do it again. But yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. And wasn't it also, wasn't it also explained in um, the, the whole time travel stuff in Endgame that whatever you do in the past doesn't affect the future. This is not a time travel This situation. isn't time travel, though. This is just parallel universes. Yeah, I suppose. Well, it, yeah, but it is time But it is time travel when you're referring to the villains. Yeah, but this one, a wizard, is it? Yeah. It just comes down to that, a wizard. Exactly. And this is the problem. <laughs> it's too bloody confusing. It's not science, this one. It's magic. No. Yeah, I, no. I think the, the problem with this is, um, upon watching um, No Way Home again, I forgot how quickly Doctor Strange does the spell. Like there is, mm. I feel like he should have talked to him through the steps of what this will do, or what the implications of it were. He just started doing it straight away, and then. But he is, he yeah. is a bit reckless, isn't he? <laughs> we we also might find out that's not proper Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. With the that's multi- so, let's leave that to see if that gets explained. The multiverse yeah. of madness and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. That one could come out of the woodwork as being a good reason why he did that. And it's Sam Raimi's return to uh, Marvel. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Bruce Campbell. Mm. Yeah, it will <laughs> oh be gosh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a Sam Raimi film without Bruce Campbell in it. So, <laughs> so anything else anyone wants to say about Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man? I think actually he has got a, a Spider-Man mm-hmm. in the MCU has got a very specific arc. It's about someone desperate longing for a father figure, which is yeah. also why he's tied so close to Iron Man. If you watch it, all the way through it, he refers to Tony Stark as Mr. Stark. He's always very respectful, very, very uh, paternal instinct towards, well, not towards him, but relating to him as a paternal figure. Until right at the second when he realises he's about to die and he he goes Tony to him. It's like, and that's when he starts breaking down because he realises he's lost his father Mm. figure again. As much as as much as I often deride his status as Iron Lad or Tony Stark Junior, and that, that and finding that mildly irritating, I do think that regardless of what I think about it, that relationship is played out quite well and works. And it is also the whole reason why Endgame happens. Mm why a Tony Stark actually goes after going very, no, I can't do time travel because A, it's ridiculous and B, I'll lose what I've got. And then what causes him to do that is realising, well, I have lost what i got. I've got a chance not to, to bring back that boy again who yeah. was a surrogate son to him. Um, Which, I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot of points where it does feel like Tony needs to kind of uh, <laughs> realise he's, he's a bit, he's a massive hypocrite. And yeah, but this he, Tony Stark's entire arc is about redemption. It is, it is, it is, absolutely. And he's trying fin- to be better in the world. He finally does the right thing and kills himself. <laughs> well, he does the right thing by killing himself. <laughs> Let's switch that round a bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh, uh, but, but a man but... who starts off pure self-sacrifice and doesn't care, and very mm. selfish man, as even showed by the flashbacks in uh, Iron Man 3 of mm-hmm. just how self-centred he was. Yeah. Literally sacrificed everything because he realises that there's more than just him being the centre of the earth, the centre of the universe. 
Yeah, it's a shame that he had to go through all that to get there. But yeah, absolutely, he does come to the realization. Because um, I just look at the MCU, particularly up until the end of Phase Three, as its mm-hmm. Iron Man story. It is. It absolutely and started with Iron it's Man. It's just an Iron really? Man film. The whole thing, mm-hmm. no matter who's in it, it's an Iron Man film. Mm. And it's all about Tony Stark's redemption. The whole thing. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. and Which is why I tend to gravitate towards, these days anyway, the movies that are less about that, like the you know Thor Ragnarok or um, the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff or stuff that's not as tied in. I didn't like... I didn't really like Civil War. I didn't hate it. No, I'm not a big fan of Civil War. But it felt like, oh, Tony Stark is invading invading Captain America's movie. And now <laughs> and now he and now and now he's invading everyone's movie. And now every movie's about him. But then as you bring up Civil War, the comics Civil War, the first yeah. one, not mm-hmm. Civil War Two, ignore that one, mm-hmm. it's rubbish. Yep. Um, <laughs> it is. That sets up the whole Tony Stark father figure to spider-man is out in the whole uh bringing it round again uh it does it's the whole they've just taken that stretch out of it and that's the bit of the spider-man story that the mcu have told yeah it's just that obviously in the comic books spider-man is 20 something or 30 and he's married and it's quite a different situation Oh yeah, I never uh, said it's perfect translation. It's not. It's not <laughs> quite. A, it's not quite a father figure thing. It's more that at, at that point in Peter's life, he needs someone. Maybe it's more a protege thing. Yeah, at, at that point in Peter's life in the comic books, he he needs some help, and Tony's there to offer it. But yeah, I, I know, and I, I do. I think you're right. Actually, I mean the whole the whole MCU, which you know, let let's. I mean, obviously, it still continues, but let's say it ends at Endgame. That whole thing is very much. I mean, it becomes over time all about Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so as it goes on, but it, it is very much about him, um, which is why you know he is. I mean, it's a lot to do with the fact that everyone just loved Robert Downey Jr. in that role, really. Which is also why right. all the Phase Four we've seen so far is about grief. Is about grief. All of it so far is about grief and lo- and losing people. Yeah, it's it's meta. It's meta again because it's about grieving over losing losing the MCU that they once had, and having to kind of come up with how the hell are we going to keep this going? One division. It's about grief for losing the love of your life. Yeah. Um, Winter Soldier and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's about grieving in a world without Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, Loki. It's about grieving about himself. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Then you get Black Widow, yeah, maybe the grief bit, but that's set before Tony Stark dies, so yeah, we don't yeah. worry about that. Sang Shi's about uh, losing a father and uh, mm. losing your place in society and your family. Uh, and Hawkeye is about Christmas and Russian gangsters. And Hawkeye <laughs> is about trying to work out why Iron Man was celebrated as being in the Battle of New York. No, why Ant Man, sorry, was in the Battle of New York. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Interestingly, I think that's Pretty because much. he was there, and he when they because yeah. he was there uh, in Endgame, he might have just gone off and done some side missions while he's there. Someone spotted him there and went, "Oh, Iron Man, Ant Man was here." Yeah, and I think retroactively they've just kind of slotted Ant Man in there, even though it's the wrong Ant Man <laughs> at <Yeah>. the time. <laughs> they're going, "Well, he was here. We saw him." 
yeah. Well, we've got to be got to be careful here because Dave's not watched Hawkeye yet because he's an idiot. Oh, I've, I've just spoilt the uh, post credits of the last episode. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Where you get that's... to see an entire musical number. That's all yes. I've spoiled. Yeah. Well, to be honest, though, you do see that musical number. I think in episode one or two. I think it's the first ten seconds of episode one, isn't yeah, it? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you, it's not spoiling anything, really. No, but I haven't, you get, you get I haven't spoiled the before. entire plot of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Redacted, this, redacted. Uh, what's that musical called? <laughs> it's called Steve Rogers. Yeah, Rogers. It's called Rogers. 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 Yeah, isn't this? Because I mean, obviously, I'm researching for all of this. Is that appears in No Way Home? At some point, doesn't it? I wouldn't no? be surprised. I wouldn't it's, be surprised. If it's like an Easter egg. Easter egg. So there's probably yeah. a billboard up, or there's definitely a Captain America shield being put on Statue of Liberty. Oh, yes, that's happening. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. My so, Dave, these are a couple of subjects that you wanted to uh, talk mm-hmm. about. Number one being costumes. Yes. What did you want to say about costumes? Because you you seem overly concerned with costumes, in my opinion. Well, I I think it's a big thing um, with Spider Man is the costume he's wearing. I mean, it's not a it's not a. I, d- I don't really. That sounds like someone who's played a lot of the computer game before they knew anything about Spider Man. That yes, that is me. Uh, <laughs> okay, right, just it's, guess. It's, it's not um. What's the best way of saying it? It's maybe it's okay. It's not such a thing with Spider Man. It's a thing with modern superheroes in general that they all have all these different looks for a different occasion, for a different comic run, a different story, a different person behind the mask. It's There's these different variations of Spider-Man's costume, right? Yeah. It's not a, uh, not a case of... Not really, but... Not a case of, like, it, it has to happen. It's just that it's, 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 it's a thing that happens. Dave, Dave there, are, there are only really two, possibly three Spider-Man costumes. Core. There are some one-offs. Yes. Yeah, I, it's, it's it's how do you want to look at it? Do you want uh, the classic red and blue with a Spider-Man webbing over it with big eyes? Yeah. You've got red and blue with litter eyes. Mm. You've got red and blue with wings, <laughs> web wings. Yeah. Um, you've got black. And that's You've it. got black that happens to be alive now. <laughs> yeah. And there's, oh, there's the one with the armor. Yeah. Yeah. And then there, you've, later on, you've got the stealth suit. But, but which was you, for once, and then the electro suit that was once, then yeah. the one that J. Jonah Jameson put him in so that he could do uh, webcamming yeah. mm-hmm. and do live streams. And then, and then there's a Fantastic Four with but, a bag over the head one. And... Yeah, there's Baggy. Um, but these are all one-off. But, but you, but yeah, there's, one, you... there's ones with holes down the side when he had six arms. This is, this is yeah. what I'm talking uh, about. What do you count as a difference? But there really, But there really is just the red and blue. Yeah, the black, and depending on what artist drew them. Yeah, there's the red and blue blue costume. That's that's Spider Man's classic original costume. Yeah. Then you have the black costume, and then after that, you just have a bunch of costumes that come in and out of fashion because modern comics like to do that now, and modern movies yeah. like to do that. Yeah, now. I yeah, this is. You can sell a new action figure if they've got a slight variation. Yeah, exactly. That's why they have to change the costume on every bloody movie so that they can sell a, sell you a new bunch of merchandise. That's why they do it now. It's, it's very, very apparent that they do it now. <laughs> they never used to do it. Mm, never used to, no. But why want... You always had the Spider-Man. You knew what we had. If you look at the Raimi movies, the costume barely changes. Yes. And even the amazing movies, they, it does change, but not massively. It's a big change between movies. He just gets slightly larger eyes. What? 
What, between Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah. They're very different. How? Well, I'm... Hold on. Okay, maybe not, not very different. There are dramatically... There's things about that suit that's very different from the first one and second one. Really? They're not. They're, they're, they're slightly different. There's, there's, there's an update to the costume, a, a little bit like the updates to the, to the Batman costume in the Batman movies. But they're would, not. They're I, not huge. It's it's still it's still a red and blue costume. It's still a red and blue costume. But I'm the Amazing Spider-Man one costume, which I actually really like, is very. Uh, what's the best way of calling it? Homemade. Like it feels like he made it. It feels like a mishmash of um, sports gear with the trainers, with the blue fingers. He's got gold lenses for eyes that are fragrant from sunglasses. I'm 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 just having a quick Google, by the way, and not a euphemism. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I have look, no idea what you're talking about. Just look at a comparison. Okay, let's look it up. Look at a comparison picture of Amazing Spider-Man one, and then look at listen, listeners. Amazing please, Spider-Man please 2. excuse the sound of me typing. Um, Amazing Spider. Man. Listeners, please excuse the Costume. noise of my brain going a bit wrong. Yeah, <laughs> comparison. Right. Uh, so, right between Amazing Spider-Man one and two, let's do that. Uh, images. Well, I've just gone and got the two DVD covers next to each other, and it's yeah. the same suit. It looked roughly the same. Well, from the from the top. From the top upwards, it would look like the same, but the design. Oh, so it's it... just his shoes. It's not the same. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're saying. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, 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 I want to be proved wrong, but I'm just trying to find it. <laughs> Are we talking about the grips on the bottom of his feet? Maybe. But the the trainers. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's all part of it. It's different, but the, f- the fact that he's got slightly thicker shoes on. Uh, evolutionist here we go this this oh that's oh that's that's a bloody video i'm not watching that um i'm just going to i'm just going to take take your word for it although i don't think that the costumes between amazing spider-man 1 and Spy- amazing spider-man 2 are, are they are definitely different there are changes but they're not uh-huh. huge changes they're still essentially a red and blue suit with the same the same basic design the same basic spider-man design I think these are differences only the costume department or a, co- a very hard, uh, ardent cosplayer would know the difference. Mm. Okay, yeah, it's 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 not a because it just looks like their sh- their 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 shoes are slightly different shapes. They're different. Anyway, thickness. maybe maybe what we've done here, maybe what we've done here, Dave, is we've derailed you. <laughs> so, what was it you wanted to talk about the costumes for? Okay, so I think it's. Um becoming more of a thing what the costume looks like as time goes on of course I think it is, that yeah. it's it's because to translate the spider-man costume into live action is a very difficult thing and you probably i think like it watching... used to be but i don't know if it is now no what oh, go on sorry i keep in keep interrupting you carry on in terms of getting the look it's fine but to make it seem that it was made by peter parker and that it was something that he had to build himself, mm-hmm. I think is a hard thing to do. And I actually I actually really like Amazing Spider-Man's first suit for that, because it really does look like he made it. 
but hasn't he got the proportional size and seamstressing of a spider? (laughs) 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 And and, and spiders are incredibly good at, at like... They're very good at weaving. (laughs) They're very good at weaving stuff. Yep, that's true. I mean, if he can, if if he can climb walls and he can, uh, um, uh, he's got spider sense and all these things, then surely he can. uh, He's a great seamstress. Yeah, his his spider sense tells him whether he should be knitting or purling. (laughs) I thought that was a thing, wasn't it? I thought that was, um, at least in the Raimi film, the reason why he came up with the red and the blue is because it was the colours of the spider that bit him. Yeah. Well, I, do you not think it's kind of the other way round? They they made but, the spider red and blue so they could yeah. explain the red and blue oh, suits. Not... Oh, yeah. No, no. Yes, of course. No. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just mean sorry. why he decided yeah. to make it red and okay. blue yeah. in yeah, the yeah. film. So, yeah, maybe that is a hint of that. I, He's I, red and blue because Ditko is a mad genius. Yeah. <laughs> and he just liked the look of it and went, oh. We certainly need to talk about Ditko in a bit. Uh, but, yeah, um, but, yeah, the suits... I think the suits in suits in Raimi are good. I think the suits in Webb are good. And I think the original MCU suit is fine. I don't like the one that I don't like the nano one at all. Oh, the Iron Spider-ish type suit. Yeah. I don't like him having an onboard computer. But that's all gone part of the uh, soft soft to hard reboot that they've just yeah, done. We've got we've got rid of that now. Thank God. Yeah, that was going to be my that was going to be what I was building up to. That wasn't my question. So like, oh, oh, sorry. so what do you both? think about that direction of Spider-Man having all of this tech in this world where it seems everyone's got all this tech. Um, everyone's endorsed by Tony Stark in some regard. Well, that's it. So- that's it. it. It makes sense. It makes sense in this universe because, as we've already discussed, mm-hmm. this whole thing has been about Tony Stark. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't like it. I really didn't like that in Homecoming he got that suit that had an onboard computer and but it it was in service of the plot so it was kind of okay because mm-hmm. it was about him learning to be a superhero which is why he had the training wheels protocol mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and Tony took it off him mm-hmm. and when Tony took it off him the movie improved yes because I didn't want him to have a, a super suit with a bloody lethal mode and uh, <laughs> and and, and 460 different variations of spider web available to him i didn't need or want that but i did like the design i did think that the the original mm-hmm. suit that tony starts gives him it's it's a classic design it's the red and blue it's great it's fine it's it's got some little flourishes that are slightly different but it's pretty faithful to spider-man's outfit yeah uh, up until the ending of no way home it was my favorite spider-man live action suit but... I think it's. I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit hard to see the new one well enough to say whether it's your favorite or not. Really, it, um, yes, but that depends on how many times you've rewatched it on the internet and how. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't I mean, possibly it... ever do such a thing or condone such action. No, <laughs> <laughs> of course, we are hard my optics. Never view anything on the internet that might be considered illegal. If it's not on a disc or if it's not on Disney Plus, I ain't watching it. <laughs> so no, yeah. So what do you what do you think of the take of the suits in the MCU now? Because it's he's not going to have the tech anymore, or he at least he sh- he shouldn't have the tech anymore. 
because there's no way for him to make another suit and there shouldn't be a way of him having those connections to even have start tech he's just gonna make he's just gonna make some lycra yeah and he has done yes yeah and that no i i, I think that's what i think that's back to basics that's what we need I never liked any of the post-Civil War suits. Mm-hmm. I don't like the introduction of gold into his costume. I know that that's just basically a Scarlet Spider thing, which was in the original Civil War comic mm-hmm. book. Um, Iron Spider. Iron Spider, yeah, sorry, Iron Spider. Oh, this, yeah, because... Scarlet Spider, Ben, ben Riley, completely, let's get... <laughs> but but, but just, to, just to vindicate myself slightly here, um, the Iron Spider suits were given to a a bunch of guys called the Scarlet Spiders later. Oh, when we're talking about the initiative. Yeah, exactly. But yes, uh, you are right. It is the Iron Spider suit. The Scarlet Spider suit is a different thing. Um, I get why it was done. And I would probably say that the MCU version of the Iron Spider suit is better looking than the comic book version, but I still don't like it. He just needs to wear spandex, and that's all. I just, yeah, I just don't like how overly ornate and how overly technological it is. Okay, it's just so it's something um, to kind of compare between the three because obviously the others don't really have tech suits, and it doesn't. It's not to say that it's um, it makes a difference in those in those films. It's just the more the visuals, like like I. I, I can understand why people really like Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit. Um, and that was like mm-hmm. a big thing. Like it was meant to be the biggest, best translation of the classic suit. And I thought that, I yeah. think that really comes down for me upon rewatching it now. It's just, it's the lenses. It's the way they have, the way he looks in the suit is amazing. It's great. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. Is it spectacular as well? <laughs> is it sensational? Or is it superior? It, we're just getting into a whole web of things now. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I think that the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit and 1 are good. But I do, I do really like the, 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 the one that is introduced in Civil War. And I like the fact that the... They've explained, well, explained, but they've allowed him to have eyes open and close, and that makes some yes. sense. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, in the comic books, it's a comic book. You can just make him have wide eyes, and you can just suspend your disbelief and not be bothered about the fact that his costume seems to be changing shape. But, <laughs> but it's fine. Obviously, in this real world live action kind of thing, it makes sense that it's a bit odd. I did notice this when rewatching um, Homecoming that. His homemade suit also has eyes that open and close. Shot, yeah, he is a technical genius. He is, yeah, yeah. yeah. They do; go, um, they, have, they have gone over that extensively. Every incarn- incarnation, of course. Of Apart course, from Raimi's, he's just a bit yeah. bright in that one. Well, I think I think that's what they did in Raimi. I thought they I think they thought, all right, is it is it a touch too ridiculous that he a gets bitten by a spider? And become gets all these wonderful superpowers and doesn't die, and and then secondly, he can also create this wonderful super material that no one's ever created before that he can swing around on. Got spandex? Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, I obviously mean the web. The web. Oh, the web. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 dispensed with that and just had the organic web shooters. 
No, um, it's always integral to the character that he's a genius. Mm. That's why he's an outcast. That is why he's playing around with uh, um, very suspicious types of uh, experiments. Yeah. And how he ends up getting his powers because as a result of his actual intelligence. Yeah. Whereas being an accident kind of negates the fact of where he was, what he was doing. Yeah, because they kind of do that in The Amazing Spider-Man is that he uh, he makes web shooters, but he, he gets it from Oscorp. He nicks he the doesn't... fluid, but he makes the shooter. He makes yeah. the shooter, but he kind of, like the like one of the montages, I'm sure like he's got like a, a box full of them, like he's bought some. or yeah. well, Actually, there's, <laughs> there are some, these, these are some of the better scenes in Amazing, like the stuff where he's, uh, mucking about with his tech like like mm. when he's when he's upgrading his web shooter so that he can fight electro mm. and there's a whole kind of scene where he kind of he's getting that big a bigger and bigger battery and then uh, <laughs> and then he, he sets it on fire and has to get the fire extinguisher out and all that kind of stuff yeah. that that's good because it shows him being a scientist which is yeah. what he is I like that he was watching a YouTube video to help him do it. It mm. felt very relatable. It was... <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. But the thing, the thing about one of the things I wanted to say about the the tech suits and the Iron Man suits is that he doesn't need that shit because Iron Man wears a big robotic suit because he's just a guy, yeah. and he uses it to power himself up. Spider Man is super strong. He has all these superpowers. He doesn't need armor. He doesn't yeah. need an onboard computer. He doesn't need any of that stuff. He's got spider senses, all kinds of shit that he that is innately part of him anyway. Yeah, because you've got to bear in mind about Spider-Man is he is massively overpowered, like mm-hmm. ridiculously. Like canon in the comics is that he's always pulling back his punches to the point that when Superior Spider-Man happened and Doc Ock took over his body. First time he punched anyone, he took the scorpion's jaw off because mm. he yeah. didn't realise how much Peter Parker was holding back all the time. Like. This is someone yeah. who's taken down the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, this is someone whose super senses work at such speed that he can avoid electricity being mm. shot at mm. the speed of light. Yeah, you know, this is someone. This is a character who is ridiculously overpowered. And it's canon that he knows this and is holding back all the time. Yeah, he has to teach himself not to yeah. he crush doesn't... everyone's skull every time he punches them, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, he doesn't yes. need tech. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he does. The only tech he needs is the web shooters. Yeah, because and... it's the one thing he can't do. He wants to yeah. be more spider-like, so he has web shooters. But he's a genius, so he made them. Yeah, he needs a he needs a, he needs a long-ranged weapon and some way of getting about town. Done. Because wall crawling isn't that fast. No. <laughs> it's handy to avoid traffic, but <laughs> yeah. it's not going much faster than the traffic. Yeah, so it's a big problem for the MCU with me. It's not so much the... Orion's always complaining about me picking up on the little things that it's not mm-hmm. significant. It's like, um, you know That's how right, people... He accuses me of being a pedant as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, true. <laughs> people have masks, wear helmets mm. in the MCU... Yeah, um, but there was like a weird point where no one took their helmet off anymore. They just willed it off, and it really bugs me. I don't know why. It's such a little thing, but Ant Man, sure what... uh, Black Panther, 
Like, they will have their helmets just evaporate or fold into their... Oh, yeah. They all have this, this amazing technological shit that means that, that everything just kind of disappears. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. I don't understand why it's necessary. I mean... It's just become a kind of um, a shorthand, doesn't it? It's like... Yeah. We, we want to see the actor's face. You know so... it came about because they forgot to film the scene with them taking it off once. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they just went, oh, we'll keep that. But yeah, I mean, costumes, I've, I've always, I mean, I think I'm always going to be more enamoured with the classic red and blue than I am with any for, other. For me, there's two costumes. There's red and blue mm. or black. Yeah, I would say it. I would agree. Actually, speaking of that, what did you guys think of the black suit in the Raimi films? Because they were going to originally have it as the classic suit, but it, I think there's a quote from Sam Raimi about it looking too much like a porno film. And that would have <laughs> well, I suppose that. it does look a bit gimpy, doesn't it? <laughs> They're like, yeah, in real life, when they made it, it was like, no. It doesn't look that good anyway. It, mm. it was just to make it look vaguely different back in the 80s when they brought it in. Yeah. And it was based on uh, Spider-Woman's costume. Uh, The other Spider-Woman. Yeah, the Julia Carpenter one. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I I think the the red and blue is the the best. Yeah. So, you wanted to talk about costumes. I think we've covered that. Mm Mm-hmm. Soundtracks and scores. Uh, Danny Elfman, right? Yeah, he did the score for the Raimi movies. It's brilliant. It's it's amazing. It's spectacular. It's all of those things. I love it's it. It's the only one that stands out. It's the only one that's memorable. I think. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think yeah. the score for Amazing or or even MCU. I don't think any, any of us could hum it. But all of the <laughs> all of them uh, take riffs on or blatantly use the original '60s cartoon one. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they yes. all do that. They've at all done it yeah, at some absolutely. point. And you know the. I do. I think the Danny Elfman theme—it's good. It's used a lot during the movie. It's used, and I, I really like the way that the Raimi movies use the the intro of the movie to recap the previous movie. That's always good, and they yeah, and they play the theme right. then as well. So it kind of like sticks with you. Even even Spider Man Three, it's not it's not Danny Elfman does that one, but I think. But they still use his he theme. End up, he end up he end up he end up helping in the end or something. The guy couldn't finish it, but it's it. it I still well, he's one, he's one of the greats, isn't he? Like, uh, I think he's one of the oh, most yeah. memorable modern, sat, you know, score guys. There was a point where you wanted a soundtrack. You went to Danny Elfman or John Williams, and that was yeah. it. They were they were yeah. the pinnacle mm. of it. Now you get Ham Zimmer in. Yeah, but they've they've kind yeah. of stood the test of time, haven't yeah. they? Generally. <laughs> right. So I think what we should now do is go around the table and say who your favourite Spider-Man is and why, and which your favourite Spider-Man movie is and and why. How about we go with uh, Galactosh first? So, favourite Spider-Man? Well, would... Or Peter Parker. In fact, you could you could separate well, them if you want. It's My favourite Spider-Man would be Garfield, but that's just as Spider-Man, not as Peter Parker. Yeah. And I don't like any of them really as Peter Parker if I had to push one it would be Tom Holland just because I don't want to punch punch him in the face and I don't think he's too cool to be Spider-Man fair enough, fair um, enough. Um, and why, why is that why is that your favourite Spider-Man then why is Garfield he's got the look Spider-Man? he's got the moves um, and he's got the patter 
Yeah. Whereas none of the rest of them have got the, uh, you know, the quips, the uh, the fluid motion of it. Like obviously, one of them's doing their own stunts, stunts which is Tom Holland, but because he can mm. do all the flips and that. But mm-hmm. Garfield just mm. sort of rounds it out. It just like seems to fit better, looks better on the screen. Because he's got that lanky willowiness about him. Yeah, he's he's got the right he's the right kind of build, isn't he, for Spider Man? Yeah. Whereas the others are too squat. Yeah, they're short guys, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene in the uh, Amazing Spider Man one where he he's fighting the lizard in the school and he crawls around him. Yeah, that sequence feels really like a spider. Like his. Mm. I mean, that's CGI, I, I imagine. But yeah, of course. Yes. But it does look good. Yeah, it does look good. Yeah. So Garfield and Holland, a bit of a mix. Yeah, and favourite movie? Oh, it's uh, Spider-Man 2. Let's just go with the classic. Mm -hmm. The one that's, I've already gone into my reasons, don't want to bore the listeners again, we're saying exactly the same thing about Pathos again. Uh, But yeah, I'll go for Spider-Man 2. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Dave, how about you? Um, This is tough. Um, You have plenty of time to think about it. My favourite Peter Parker is Tom Holland. Right. I think that he, in terms of a Peter Parker of today, what I would imagine the nerdisms and the type of bullying he faces, it's not really someone, you know, beating him up for lunch money. It's just a guy getting on his nerves who we know he could beat up, but it's like, no, I'm not going to beat up Flash Thompson. It's a different type of more, what I would think is going on in a school. At the moment, mm-hmm. and I, I believe it. You know, he sells it to me as Peter Parker, Spider Man. Uh, it, it, I might have to agree. I do think Andrew does have a very good feel of being Spider Man when he's on, when he's in costume and he's doing his things. He's making his quips. It does give me that Spider Man vibe yeah. of. Like Tom Holland does do it as well. I'll say that he he doesn't have his one little moments where he's like fighting bad guys dressed like the Avengers and makes funny jokes. Mm. But I think Andrew does it a bit better. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more panache to what he does. Yeah, just the the way he kind of swaggers about. Mm-hmm. There's that cockiness that yes. is important. <laughs> Spider Man is cocky, <laughs> and that's there. Uh, anyway, fa- uh, so your favorite movie. Uh, Don't be afraid to say something we're going to disagree with. Because we will disagree Um, if it's not Spider-Man (laughs) 2. Oh, okay. It's Spider-Man 1. Oh, the first one. Okay. The first one. Well, that's an interesting choice. It's not the worst choice you could have made. Um, Why? (laughs) Why? It's um, it's too hard to separate it because it's it's my first introduction to Spider Man. Mm-hmm. That was the film. That was it. Yeah. That was the thing that made Spider Man a big part of my life. And for over the years and all this different spin offs and whatnot, I love that film. Like yeah, you did say you were very very young when it came out, and yeah, yeah. I've I've seen a lot of people talking about the original Spider-Man movies and talking about how they love all three of them. And those people who are on YouTube and stuff, and those people are people who generally grew up with them. And Mm -hmm. therefore 
the problems with three just aren't such a problem because they were kids. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad, not a bad choice. I think Spider Man is yeah. a great movie. All right, well, I'll give you mine. Um, I don't think it'll be of any huge surprise. My favorite Spider Man is. I agree with both of you. It's Garfield. I think that he has it. He has it down. He the the jokes are on point. The way he acts as Spider Man, like the way he swaggers about, the way he kind of like he's very kind of off the cuff and funny about it, and he just kind of moves in a really good way. There's some really great stuff in those movies, despite them having all of their problems. There's some really good scenes with him crime fighting across both movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bit with, where he's fighting Electro and, he, and, he, and all of a sudden he's there with a fireman helmet on and a hose it's, and he's swinging it around like, and, and then pretends to like holster it. It's great. I forgot about that bit. Yeah, I love all that stuff. It's brilliant. He's perfect. But I would also go as far as to say that I probably prefer Garfield as Peter Parker as well. But mostly it's because of the emotional beats that he hits. Okay. With Gwen, with, with with Ben as well, and with just just the the emotional beats of Spider Man, I think uh, he hits them quite well as Peter Parker. Even though I do understand where Galactus is coming from, with him being a little bit too good looking and a little bit too cool, but I still think I would choose him. I definitely choose him over um, Maguire, mm-hmm. Holland. I I kind of like Holland's Peter Parker, but he's not my Peter Parker. Okay, he's like like I was saying to Dave before No Way Home came out and pretty much proved me right, I was saying Tom Holland's Peter Parker is a variant. <laughs> After watching Loki, I'm like, he's a variant Peter Parker and yeah. the real Peter Parker or Parkers are the yeah. other ones or they're, they're more close to the P- Peter Parker I know and love. Because this Peter Parker's a bit too much like a puppy dog. Mm. Very earnest, very uh, wanting yeah. approval. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yes, he he's very yeah, he's very much like that. He, he's he's yeah, he's constantly searching for someone to tell him it's okay and that he's uh, he's doing a good job. Rub his belly. Yeah, <laughs> good boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then, so my favorite Spider-Man movie, it is it is Spider-Man Two. It is Spider-Man Two. Um, just because you've got an amazing baddie played by um, what's his name, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. He's fantastic. He's a believable baddie. With believable motivations, even though you know here and there it goes a bit mad, but you, that's because he's those of those tentacles are trying to take over his mind, and they're insane. <laughs> and it, it hits all the right beats, and it's it's got the origin story out of the way, and it's allowed to be a proper Spider-Man movie about Spider-Man and about his villains and about his yeah. his journey towards becoming a superhero, which no other movie's really been able to do so well. I would also say that. My second favourite would probably be Homecoming because I just think it's a good movie, but it's not so much a great Spider-Man movie. It's just a good movie. Fair. Fair point, isn't it? I mean, I I don't know. I think we've come to a fairly good consensus there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we... uh, I suppose we can talk about before we wrap it all up, although we might go on a little bit of a tangent about Steve Ditko. We suppose we should. Well, if you're talking about Spider-Man, it's rude not to mention Ditko. Yeah, we'll do a Ditko section in a bit, but where do we see them taking the character next, and where would you like them to take the character next? Ooh. Well, next things I can see is a Sony bringing out more Garfield and Maguire films. You think so? Ooh. Do you think they'll do that? Yeah. 
I know that there's I know there's rumours. There's strong rumours that the Mobius film has got Andrew Garfield in it. Really? Okay. Fair. So we're we saying Mobius is based in the in that tangential universe. Yeah. Okay. Because even the trailers have uh, they've got Spider Man in the background saying murderer and things like that. Mm-hmm. People thought it'd be in the the Tom Holland one, but it's yeah. using the uh, Amazing Spider Man spider. Oh, on the walls. Isn't there? A, there's also a, a like a graffiti of Toby's Spider Man in one that trailer as well somewhere, isn't there? Oh, I don't know about that one. And uh, the vultures in it. Yes. Well, haven't we done well to avoid a correction up until now? This is partly because the guys are so damn knowledgeable, and partly because Orion Gear is sick of editing them in. However, we do need to clarify the Morbius trailer Easter eggs a little. There are actually a number of references to a number of continuities in the trailer. We see the Oscorp building from the Garfield movies in the skyline, a poster of Maguire Spider-Man with murder adorbed across it, Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. the Vulture, from Holland's Spider-Man, and Morbius himself references Venom, who from the end credit scenes of both Let There Be Carnage and No Way Home, we know comes from a separate reality. All very interesting. Well, that's the thing. I really I really liked, at the end of Homecoming, the post credit scene, where they're basically setting up a possible kind of Sinister Six kind of situation with the Scorpion and... Uh, and Vulture. Yeah. And I think that's where they would have gone if Endgame and all that stuff hadn't have kind of intervened and uh, swept Spider-Man away on his on his space adventures. They could have gone in that direction. They really can't wait to do a Sinister Six. It's like the main goal, isn't it? It's... Well, I mean, what have, you, what have they got left? They've done so many of the other things. We've had a Sinister Five now. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, we have. <laughs> It was strange that they didn't round that out to six, isn't it? But, you know. What was really strange is they... Like, have you seen Let There Be Carnage? No. No, I not yet. I've seen the first one, but not the second one yet. Post-credit... Oh, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. It's not, it's not worth watching. <laughs> Post-credit scene of uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, involves uh, Tom Hardy Venom waking up uh, to see the, tele- the telly and... Uh, being introduced to who uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is. Right. And it's the breaking news of this is Spider-Man, and they're sort of going, what's a Spider-Man? Yeah. Because they've moved over to uh, the, the MCU. All oh, right. And then for some reason, right at the end of uh, No Way Home, the entire arc is done up with having a post credit scene of them going back. Yeah. But leaving behind a bit of the symbiote. Yes. So for some reason... The Sony Venom is jumping about realities. So that's that's your six. Yeah, but he didn't know. He didn't get the invite. Instead of getting involved, he gets drunk, <laughs> drunk in a bar, yeah. and then leaves behind a bit of symbiote. So, Which is fair enough. They're really. Definitely angling for uh, the black suit Spider-Man. It fits with the character. I mean, I actually enjoyed that first Venom movie more than I thought I would. It's not that bad. Yeah. The second one is actually ups the crazy a bit. Okay. So, I I imagine that they're going to... I mean, what I'd like them to do is different to what I imagine they're going to do. And I mean, I know... I mean, I've heard rumblings about there being like another trilogy. The plan is to... Now they've soft-rebooted Spider-Man in the MCU. They're going to move on to another three movies. 
I imagine they'll all have one common word in their title, just like homecoming, <laughs> no way home, 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 home. Money, lust for cash. Yeah, <laughs> some more that. cash. Exactly. Let's get some more cash. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that's what they will do, something like that. And and I would, but I would like to see it remain more on a more low key kind of vigilante level. Low, low key, key or low key? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Low key. <laughs> low key, not low key. Uh, but yeah, because what we haven't done, not in the MCU anyway, is build up a bunch of villains for him that are all kind of intertwined with each other. Because what the thing about Spider-Man is it's a soap opera. It actually kind of lends itself more to a TV series than it does a movie. That's all Marvel, though. Yeah. From the beginning. And we, and we know there's going to be an animated TV series called uh, Freshman Year or something. Oh, is it going to be animated? Yeah, yeah. and that's going to be covering... Um, that, apparently that's going to be covering the MCU Spider-Man's origin story stroke. How it, Basically, the bit before Tony Stark okay. comes in. So that could be interesting. I mean, what they could do, if they're going to do like three... If they're going to do another three movies, they could have animated tv shows that go in between the movies or something like that mm. but i would i would like it to be now we've now we've had the big space adventure and all that and tony's story which is fine now we've reset him down to no one knows who he is he's um he's on his own and he's sitting there in his in his rented apartment listening to police scanners <laughs> and he's got his spandex costume which he made himself i would like to see it go back to a kind of him on his own doing kind of like low-level crime fighting. However, you know he's going to be running into Daredevil now. Oh, yeah. Well, that's oh, fine. Yeah. I, I'm, that's that's perfect, because that's, like like you said before... And they're uh, going to team up and take down Wilson Fisk. Well, like you said, like, like you said Tosh, you, you said that um, he is a low-level, street-level yeah. mm-hmm. hero, even though he's massively overpowered. It's The people that he tends to rub shoulders with are people like Daredevil, like Luke Cage, yeah. like all of those folk that are, uh, yeah, Hawkeye, even though Hawkeye's, you know, in the comics, he's, in the comics he, he's punching way above his weight all the time, but still. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you look at when Spider-Man was in the New Avengers. Yes. Right, it started off with, uh, yeah, all right, you've got the big guns in there, but when mm. they we- weeded out the big guns, it was Luke Cage, it was Iron Fist, yeah. uh, it was Doctor Strange, it yeah. was Wolverine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not your uh, global powers. It's not. I'm going to snap my fingers. I'll burn up a sun. People. Exactly. It, it was cut because they ba- basically what happened in. In case you're not aware, Dave. Mm-hmm. During Civil War, the Avengers got split in two. All right. Those who were on Cap side and those who were on Iron Man side, and you had the Avengers and the Avengers Initiative and all that stuff. And then you had the new Avengers, which were basically the the heroes that didn't agree with the superhuman registration idea, mm-hmm. which was the whole premise of Civil War in the comics. If you ever want to read a good run of Avengers, it is New Avengers. I agree. Because it, it starts off basically as the Avengers. Mm-hmm. God-level people in it. But then Civil War happens, Tony Stark's gone. Uh, Cap, Cap gets shot. Mm-hmm. And you're down to... Uh, a team that essentially is about paranoia. <laughs> yeah. It's about they're out to get us and they're the only people who know that, that scrolls are invading Earth. Yes, because that's uh, the secret invasion yeah, stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and- but like, yeah, that, 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 
that's a good team and they're all yeah they are all street level listeners it's a great run check it, it out it is really it really is and you can see where all of the mcu these days comes from absolutely it's essentially between it's mark miller yeah and brian michael <laughs> bendis it's them two i've said this before like the mcu mark miller is responsible for how that avengers movie turned out yeah his take on the avengers was ultimates the original yeah. ultimates comic mm-hmm. and this I mean, the very, the very fact that you've got Samuel L. Jackson playing um, Nick Fury <laughs> is because of that comic book. Well, it's more a legal wrangling because of that yeah, comic yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's more because they used his likeness without telling him. And he yeah. often went, well, I love the comics and I won't sue. But if you cast Nick Fury, it's my role. And yeah. I went, all right, then we're never going to do that. Oh, shit, we did. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on, Samuel, get your role out. So... I suppose that, that so that's what that's kind of what I'd like to see. I'd like to see more kind of grounded stuff. I know there's going to be big tentpole events, and that's fine, and I don't mind him getting involved in them. But I just like his solo movies to be proper solo movies that I can watch, like like Spider Man Two, like Homecoming, yeah. where they're self-contained proper movies about Spider Man rather than the stepping stones to the next big event. Hmm. Dave, what are your thoughts? Um. I'm worried about the future of Spider-Man, to be honest. I I think the problem with Spider-Man is what um, you guys pointed out earlier is who owns Spider-Man and how that works mm-hmm. and how the money behind that works. So it's not really a question about what stories they're going to tell. It's about who's going to be in charge of those stories being told. There seems to be a real big focus on his villains and them having their own separate movies before they even meet Spider-Man. Okay, I may, that may be, but it's weird that that's the decision that one studio is doing, but then maybe another studio is focusing more about how you'll interact with yeah. um, the world and stuff. So how that works together, and then sprinkle in Spider-Verse and all the what that could mean for all the different things. It, I'm worried, but I'm also hopeful because of this film like mm. even after far from home i was starting to think well what's going to happen to spider-man in the world of movies yeah after that but now this film has happened and they've established so many different things and how they could reset it all maybe there is hope for it to yeah. really springboard into something i wouldn't worry so much because after this film and after what marvel of the mcu have done with spider-man the MCU will have a Spider-Man because Sony, yeah. the backlash against Sony would be like Amazing Spider-Man 2 worse. Mm. It'd be even worse than that. People would stop even worrying about going, oh, there's a Mobius film. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Venom films are coming out. It'd be like, no, you've screwed up Spider-Man, go away. And <laughs> what, what exactly happened after Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out? Yeah. That came out to the point that Sony had to go, all right, let, let's do a deal with the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Disney, I'm not referring to you as a devil. Please don't say. <laughs> uh, I know you're litigious. Please leave me alone. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, but, but like, you know, the, Sony have kind of been doing these spin off movies in the form of Venom and now they're doing Mo, uh, Morbius. Um, but they're not nearly as popular as what's been happening with with Spider-Man being crossing, crossing over the MCU. And I think Sony will want to hold on to that, especially with no way home being so successful it, it costs them nothing and it's a it's, it's an advert for them 
Mm. Marvel take all the risk. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's not. It's not a question of that. It's just. I guess it's because of the stories. I think would be good to be told for this version of Spider-Man. He, like you guys uh, mentioned before, it's the villains have such a. His Rose Gallery is really rich of stories and how they weirdly intertwine with what he's doing in his own life and how they, you know, get turned into supervillains or already villains that he stumbles across. You know, it's it's that side of it that I'm more worried about, or at least... Well, there's only one of his actual big villains left to do, and that's Craven. Which uh, is rumoured to be I think involved. Yeah, they are going to be doing soon. it, yeah. Um, outside of that, uh, uh, what are we going to do? Uh, the Leaper? Well, the Sc- Scorpion, Black Cat. Oh, uh, Scorpion. I mean, Black Cat's not really a villain, not mostly, no. but but she's, she's just a cat woman again. She's definitely going to be brought in at some point. I would have thought. You don't. You don't think that they would do the others again because they weren't his versions of those characters. Well, I think they'll. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought um, Vulture back. Yeah, because Keaton did a fantastic job at that. He did. Yeah. I don't know now that now that they've done. No Way Home, and they've brought all the ex-villains in from the other universes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'd now introduce an MCU Green Goblin or an MCU... Yeah, I don't think they're going to touch them. No, I think they're going to leave those alone. It's literally just be who's never touched now. So yeah. Craven, Scorpion. Mm-hmm. To a point, maybe they could do the Rhino. Yeah. Because he wasn't really touched. Yeah, they could do the Rhino yeah. with, no, with, no, with no issue because no one even remembers yeah. that even happening. <laughs> Because after that, what you got? Um, Carrion? Mm, uh, Morlum? The Jackal? Yeah. But so if they're going to go Morlum, they're going to be going back into the Spider-Verse again. Yeah, there they are. They are. Yeah. And maybe that, maybe those kind of characters might actually turn up in the Spider-Verse animated movies. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's, there's still plenty of stuff to be mined there. But I think they're going to probably try and head towards some kind of version of their own their own version of Sinister Six, or at least bringing in some of those characters. But yeah, I, I, I agree that I don't think they're going to bring in a, a, a new octopus, a new, a new Doctor yeah. Octopus, or a new... Um, and the Goblin's a, done now. Yeah. Oh, uh, done to death, really, because you yeah. had, you know, you've had two different versions of him and the new Goblin as well, as you know, that... I suppose you could bring... <laughs> I suppose you could do Hobgoblin... Well, that's more likely because they are setting up Ned Ned Leeds, the Hobgoblin, as being yeah. in it now, and now he's got magic. Yeah, like, oh, I, I honestly I... thought he might become Hobgoblin and turn it into the Sinister Six in the last film. I hate Ned. What? I can't stand him. He's so annoying. Yeah, I get that. There's something about his hair. It's, it's, it, it's not real. Well, yeah, it just looks so much like a wig. I know he's wearing a wig, but it just annoys me. For me, him and him and MJ uh, in the MCU, they just they don't come across as real characters. They just come across as people on the set who snark and smirk. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. It's it's it, they're really kind of like oh oh, isn't this it? Oh, you're called Otto Octavius. Ha 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 ha. Oh, it's fucking so annoying. And yet, in Spider-Man 2, you get the fantastic... Who would have thought a man with a man called Otto gets eight arms and becomes an octopus? Yeah, mm. but that's funny. Makes more sense. Just... That's where I go. Uh, Dr. Octopus. Uh. Yeah. 
I'm glad that Ned and MJ no longer know who's, who Peter Parker is, and hopefully they can just be got out, get them out of there. And now they can pull in a Gwen Stacy. Yep. Yes. Perfect. Cast a great mm. a great Gwen Gwen Stacy, and I'll I'll be very pleased with that. Okay, we all watched uh, In Search of Steve Ditko, didn't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear Dave's opinion on this because I, I, I reckon I know uh, Galactos's opinion on it. <laughs> um, well, it wasn't what I was expecting. Good old Jonathan Ross. Mm-hmm. In what way were you not expecting? Sorry. Yeah. I just want to know. Well, that's, I guess what I mean is I didn't expect what type of documentary about Ditko it was. It was... It felt more like um, something Jonathan Ross really wanted to do, which yeah. made it more the like man it. loves it. Yeah, it, it made it like, um, first off, it's the best person to do it. This is not something you want, I don't know, Trevor McDonald doing a documentary on. It's the great person Maybe he's passionate about comics. <laughs> it's really well done. Um, it goes through the history in a nice way for someone like me who knows pretty much nothing about that era of Marvel, let alone Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I know tidbits here and there and references and little Easter eggs and all these little things, but I don't know it's that timeline really yeah. at all. And it was a good way of laying it out for a newbie like me. Uh, I thought it was uh, really good. I, it thought, I, it's interesting though about the whole talk about who created, created Spider-Man and who should be credited and how it's worded and the the two different opinions on it. Yeah, I think the fir- I think the first time you watch it, that's definitely the thing that stands out. Yeah. Stan Lee's kind of inability <laughs> to acknowledge the creative input that Stephen Ditko clearly did put in. I, I honestly think in Stan Lee's mind, it's very clear to him. I came up with the idea Therefore, I created him. Yeah. And that's it. And I understand that point of view, but it, it kind of disregards how much of what Spider-Man is, is down to Steve Ditko. I th- I, over the years, I thought this whole th- debate was about the rights in terms of maybe like money or top well, billing or something. Of. But it, Apart from with Ditko, who didn't yeah. care much for money, just privately. Yeah, that was a really interesting thing that I took I took away from it. It was like, well, it's not really about any of that for him. It's just he wants to be acknowledged yeah. that he was there when this happened and that he played a big part in its creation, which mm. is fair enough. Like, I get it. If, if it's not just about, wait, there was a new Spider-Man film. Where was my check? Um, <laughs> it's it's not about no, that at all. He doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about that. No. Well, he didn't give it. He's, de- he's dead now. Uh, yeah. R.I.P. But um, it's very interesting. Yeah, he didn't give a shit, shit about that. It, yeah, it was more about. I mean, you see when in in the documentary when you start when you start talking about how, what he did afterwards, like when he did. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Mister A. He was an interesting interview. Yeah, man. And Hawk and Dove. You can see yeah. that he's got such a very kind of binary outlook on things mm. that black and white all the way. So, so yeah, he's like, I need you, Stan Lee to tell the world that I co-created Spider-Man. I don't need money. I don't need anything else. I just need you mm. to admit to everyone that you're lying or you're wrong, you know, and that we created it together. And yet Stan wrote him a letter saying that I consider him <laughs> to do it, but 
because he wasn't he was given a letter so that he could tell everyone yeah. that Stan Lee considers that I co-created wasn't enough for him no. because he wanted Stan Lee to go he did co-create yeah, it with he me. needs to say I consider him as the co-creator yeah, he needed to say specifically. but because he didn't tell the world so Stan's given Steve the tools to tell the world yeah. that I did cre- co-create it but that's not what Ditko wanted. No, and he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't like the use of the word "consider" because that because yeah. that means that means that that that's just what Stanley thinks, not what is yeah. reality. Even though this is an argument about whether Stanley created it on his own or not, yeah. And Stanley is saying, "I consider he created it with with me," which is essentially the same thing. But it's because Stan isn't going out and telling the world he he did it with me. Ditko doesn't want to be the one to have to go out and do it himself. <laughs> and also, so much I think so much water had gone gone under the bridge by that point that he needed an, an, an implicit admission rather than because yeah. he, he he says in the documentary like if Steve wants to be considered the co-creator of Spider Man, he can consider himself the co-creator of Spider Man, and it's such a kind of like so you're not saying he is you're just saying if he wants to believe that that's fine with me that yeah, yeah. that's not enough. It is a weird. It's a weird debate because it. I don't. I don't really know what it is he he wanted to happen in a way that would have been satisfying. Like, did Stan have to go on TV and tell everyone? Like, I think, he, it just, have to be... I think he just needed Stan to say the words. Steve Ditko co-created Spider-Man, and not use and not use yeah. any qualifiers. No, no <laughs> caveats. Just that. Who's he sending this to? Who's he telling? Like, I want just anybody, <laughs> anyone who comes in. He needs to say, <laughs> just needs to say it publicly somehow. Yeah, he, gets yeah, he wants him to walk up and down Main Street uh, with a billboard, a sandwich board over his shoulder, saying Steve Ditko created this with yeah, me. Exactly, and he'd have been happy. Yeah. I think Ditko would have been happy if only Stanley had gone up to like five people and told them, yeah. "This man created it with me," and he'd be happy. He just needed to say it implicitly. That's all. But they both had fundamental differences on what creation yes. was. Yeah, mm. agreed. Right, Stanley honestly believed that if he came up with an idea, that was it. It's my idea. They just facilitated yeah. it for me. It was that telling line where he said, "Well, if it hadn't succeeded, then I'd have come up with something that didn't work." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it is kind. It is very dismissive of basically Ditko and Kirby. Mm. They came up with the visual style for everything. It's different with Jack Kirby, but Ditko drew all the stories around a loose plot where Stan would fill in the words later. Yeah. The words that Ditko wrote were nothing like the ones uh, <laughs> uh, Stan Lee would come later to use. Yeah. Like, there's a famous bit where uh, there's uh, some protesting students mm. and um, he's basically got the army wanting to shoot them down yeah. and Spider-Man <laughs> going... Uh, yeah, you go get them, police. They shouldn't be pro- protesting. And obviously, Stan's put the different spin on this, uh, where, where Spider-Man's supporting the protesters. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Stan understood the zeitgeist a lot yeah. better than Steve did. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, And, and Stan does, does admit this, that, okay, first few issues or so, Stan kind of plotted them quite quite stringently. But after that, he pretty much just let Ditko write most of it because he could do it. So it would just be Ditko draws the comic and he just sticks words in it. The argument's a bit different with Kirby. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
that that's much 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 deeper argument about who actually created what and come up with what yeah. and but they both died very poor men yeah when when there's multi-million pound franchises based on their work yeah. which is yeah you know, that's the great shame of it really because when did kirby die he died in the 90s so he didn't even know there's going to be riches coming exactly yet still he was fighting the fight because he knew it was wrong yep and Ditko didn't care about the money. He just wanted the principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley died a very rich man. Yeah. However hard his daughter tried that not to happen. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was good seeing um, on the documentary seeing people like um, uh, Alan, Alan Alan Moore, Moore the Northampton Wizard. Alan Moore talking about Spider Man, <laughs> like, and 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 also yeah, someone who quite happily will rip off other people's works uh, for his own, but then gets really annoyed at DC for <laughs> ripping off his work yeah. uh, for their own use. Yeah. That's a different argument, I mean, though, isn't uh, it? You know, he's he's, he's 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 a complicated man, isn't he? I'll use Tom Sawyer, <laughs> and uh, I'll use Tom Sawyer and Sherlock Holmes and Harry Potter for my own works. <laughs> DC, what are you doing using Rawsack. Using my work for your own use? Wow, <laughs> she sounds a lot like him. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's a it, it's a good it's a good documentary. It's, I watched it a couple of times before doing this. Um, it's it's really good. It kind of because it gives you a grounding in what the fundamentals of Spider-Man are as well. Like I think it really kind of run, drives home what those what that initial idea and initial concept is, and and from that spawned a giant multimedia entertainment you know franchise. Yeah, because um, this year is its 60th anniversary. It is indeed, yes. Well, well done for reminding us. I uh, definitely wanted to mention it because, yeah, it is 60 years since Spider-Man was created this year. Oh, well, um, Fantastic was Crawl 4 was created 60 years last year, so that's where I came. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the real Marvel Universe began. Pretty much. June 61. Well, that settles that. I think we can agree that I am both right and a better Spider-Man fan than Dave. Correct? <laughs> uh, hit me up on social media to call me a self-righteous spider snob on Facebook where you will find an Arg My Optics page. I'm on there as Orion Gear. I'm on Twitter as at Gear Orion and on Instagram as Orion underscore Gear. Alternatively, if you want to join Virtual Dave in his wrongness and confused misunderstanding of Spider-Man, you can find him at... VirtualDave26 on Instagram. Uh, fantastic. Cool. Well, all joking aside, that discussion was all the more enriched by the presence of our new friend to the podcast, Galactosh. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. It's been great. Uh, please come back when, uh, I don't know, when we talk about Fantastic Four or something or some other Marvel related or anything. I'm happy to come back anytime. Perfect. Woohoo! Great. Well, that's something to look forward to. As per usual, uh, if you enjoyed this as much as we did, why not express that enjoyment by liking, subscribing, sharing, commenting, etc., etc., etc. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time on Shout It Together, guys. Ah, uh, my optics! My optics. <laughs>